Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. And we are coming to you guys live on this uh, Friday, February 4th, 2022. And I hope you guys are having a great evening today. We are having an absolutely wonderful evening here over at the Sea Report, and my name is Mr. C, your host, and I will be here with you guys for about the next two hours solid. I'd say the next two hours solid, we will be uh, jumping into some headline stories, news, tales to tale, current affairs, current events, everything. You said it. We said it. You got it. We named it. We called it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I guess what I'm trying to say here is we have a full show for you guys today. It's one of those shows, ladies and gentlemen. It is one of those shows, and I'm promising you it's going to be wham, bam, packed, full of information as we uh, get into some of those headlines, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, some of the topics du jour that we like to talk about here at the Sea Report at least the uh, stories that I curate specifically for uh, the audience to partake in. I'm sure you guys will have no, uh, no desires left remaining by the end of today's report. And I take it back because when you start, you know, he going headlong into uh, some of the stories and information that we get, there's always something desired to... Uh, to be uh, partaken in, you know, and especially with today's stories, guys, because uh, it's like as I started to put today's report together, uh, just more and more information comes pouring out at me, more and more stories. And we'd have to be here for about three hours if I were going to get in the report that I envisioned for tonight. Uh, so we're gonna, we are going to pretty much just jump right in, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to you live on uh, pilled.net, foxhole.app, twitch.tv, clouthub.app, and also on Rumble, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, yes, uh, we're doing our second day of broadcasting over on Rumble. So we'd like to welcome that audience over there who may be joining us live <clears throat> this evening as uh, we get into tonight's story, guys. I mean, I gotta tell you, it's gonna be a full one. We got a full story for you guys tonight. Uh, we will be talking shop, ladies and gentlemen, with election integrity. As promised, we'll be talking uh, New Hampshire. We'll be talking Texas. We'll be talking South Carolina. We'll be talking North Carolina for sure. Oh boy, man, we got some things coming out of the woodworks here, ladies and gentlemen. Keeps my day busy, keeps my day full, and I gotta say, I'm very happy for it. Uh, you just want to do a whole lot more, I guess, when you get down to it. 
But, uh, well, we'll do what we can here, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll try and uh, catch up with ourselves as uh, the days move along. After all, no one says the C-Report only has to be Monday through Friday. No, just kidding. Well, we do the C-Report here Monday through Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we try and get uh, get it down to a nice scheduled time. But what I can say is I am kind of uh, working on a interim type of schedule, uh, just trying some different things out so I can flavor my day up more with uh, different things for you guys all. Now, before we do get into today's report, I think I have next on the screen, just by way of housekeeping, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're not aware of it, uh, you can also catch the C-Report on podcast. All right. So, uh, you know, we got the live streaming on uh, Twitch, Clout Hub, Rumble, Foxhole Pilled, uh, where you can catch us live and in action, that is for sure. And it's usually the funnest because you can see me uh, make all my amateur mistakes and all that stuff. But uh, hey, that's what it's all about, right? It's all about uh, just, uh, you know, just kind of getting up here and doing that thing. We don't wing it, that's for sure, but we do that thing. Now, uh, you can check out the uh, podcast over at anchor.fm slash the C report. That's anchor.fm slash the C report. And I'm just uh, bringing that to y'all's attention, particularly since we're broadcasting on a brand new platform. That way, uh, if they would like anyone who's there, you can get a chance to head on over there. You can subscribe to the podcast for free. Uh, we are available on most major podcasting platforms. Kind of interested to know how Spotify is going to handle us now that we have uh, some of the litigators and legislators, uh, you know, kind of throwing their weight around at uh, Spotify. I'm not I'm not worried in the least about Joni Mitchell or Neil Young, really, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when them legislators start uh, coming down on uh, Spotify and, you know, they, they've already been notorious for censoring shows. Don't get me wrong. Spotify has already done that act, but uh, they seem to have been uh, kind of blind or just uh, ignoring or just not paying attention to, uh, you know, podcasts like mine. But, uh, well, straight up, ladies and gentlemen, if they're going to go after go Ro Joe Rogan uh, for his, uh, can I even say Charlie Victor Diecinueve on Spotify anymore? I don't know. Do I have to use the word inoculation instead of, you know, uh, whatever other words we like to color it up? Because, you know, I don't like to censor myself. That's why we're not on YouTube. Uh, after all, they, they hunted us down pretty hard on YouTube uh, after getting two accounts summarily removed from that uh, tyrannical apparatus. But, uh, well, that is what it is, ladies and gentlemen, so we're not going to complain about it at any more length than needed to. Uh, but yes, join us at the Sea Report. Every time you listen to a show, every time you download an episode, you also support uh, the work that I do here for this broadcast. We get like yeah, two cents a play, but uh, every bit helps, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm glad to say we're over, I think we're over 50,000 listens, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds like a nice little chunk of change, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't cashed out or even looked at the balance on that, guys. But uh, that's neither here nor there, ladies and gentlemen. Anyhow, uh, I guess apparently you can even uh, donate over at uh, at Rumble as well. So, you know, if you'd like to make a donation there, hey, we're set up for it. Again, uh, it helps us uh, keep this broadcast alive, keeps the lights on, pays the overhead on platform uh, pl uh, streaming platforms, the costs that we incur 
as live streamers and uh, just overall gives us a little boost in our spirits, uh, you know, but presence is always appreciated but you know that that does go to show a uh, definite appreciation you know they have the gold pill system over there at foxholeandpill.net and a very generous community i'm always grateful for their support there as well or you can also support us via uh, the old school ways paypal and cash app right hard to say that that's old school right but anyways you can do that if you'd like uh, you, you can subscribe to our podcast on a monthly donation basis. You can also, uh, I guess, throw bits at us and subscribe over at uh, Twitch as well. There's all manners of ways to do it. And indeed, you know, if, uh, if I could get the costs beaten on what is incurred uh, for the operation I run here, and admittedly, guys, it's not a lot. It's not a whole lot, but it's still it's still money I don't have. Uh, I'll take off the advertisements over at Twitch, which I know that is not even that is not even relevant to most of my audience, but uh, <laughs> it's worth a shot, guys. So yeah, uh, PayPal and Cash App. Uh, just at the moment, I have the addresses scrolling at the bottom of the screen. We got a dollar sign M A C X five X five or PayPal at MACX99336. So uh, just kind of wanted to throw that out there as a way to get some housekeeping done before we get underway with the show because we've got a lot to talk to today. Hey, Mr. Nick Walls, I see you saying howdy over there at uh, the good old foxhole. Uh, thanks for popping in and saying, it's been a minute since I've seen you, buddy. Glad to see you in the chats and I hope you are doing well on this Friday evening in your locale. Okay, we are absolutely going to start with uh, some statements from President Trump, as Trump always leads here at the Sea Report. Uh, I do want to let you know that tonight's episode is brought to you by WMUR New Hampshire, The Gateway Pundit, The Epoch Times, Uncovered DC, The World Tribune, and Conservative World News, with a few dishonorable mentions from New Hampshire Public Radio and The Texas Tribune. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't make this stuff up here at the Sea Report. Uh, we don't break news or make news, but we mo most definitely do share the news, ladies and gentlemen. So get ready for a whirlwind of an episode. All right, let's take a look at the first statement from President Trump for us today. This is actually going to be a statement from the chairman of uh, Trump Media and Technology Group. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, this has to do all with that uh, brand spanking new social media and beyond effort that uh, President Trump is getting into. Let's see what it says here. It says uh, Facebook and big tech are seeking to destroy the freedom convoy of truckers. The freedom convoy is peacefully protesting the harsh policies of far left lunatic Justin Trudeau Castro who has destroyed Canada with insane COVID mandates. Now, thankfully, the Freedom Convoy could be coming to D.C. with American truckers who want to protest Biden's ridiculous COVID policies. Facebook is canceling the accounts of Freedom Convoy USA and GoFundMe is denying access to funds that belong to the Freedom Convoy. This is unacceptable and extremely dangerous in any country that values free expression. Truth Social is announcing today 
that we are welcoming the Freedom Convoy with open arms to communicate freely on Truth Social when we launch, coming very soon. Truth Social will fight back against big tech so we can protect our rights to free expression. Also, on top of everything, it is big news that Facebook daily users went down for the first time ever. People are tired of biased social media like Twitter and Facebook, and it is showing in their numbers. All right, that's a great way to start today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, Truth Social, have you signed up for your account yet? Absolutely, guys. That is going to be exciting once we get that launched. Yeah, I believe it's at the end of this month, if not uh, the 1st of March, right? Somewhere in that time. Indeed, uh, social media and uh, social media platforms are going to need to beware the Ides of March once we get Truth Social up and running and ready to go. A lot of news on that convoy, but yeah, that is the most uh, uh, disgusting thing there when you even have the likes of GoFundMe who are keeping those funds away from, uh, away from the uh, truckers, the drivers, all of those who have participated in this movement and most definitely deserve that uh, because after all, they ain't working right now, you know, they are not working and they need something to uh supplement what it what the what the time that they're using in order to fight for the freedom and liberty of the people in Canada and beyond ladies and gentlemen okay and then uh, of course uh there was this uh, it was a recent article that just popped out talking about uh Facebook purged like over a million it was probably more than a million i don't remember the number i just know it was million plus purged a million plus, not because they were censoring people, but because people are not using them anymore. People are closing their accounts. They're fed up with Facebook or Meta or whatever it is that they want to call themselves now. Uh, I don't think that they are. Uh, I don't think that they are as slick as David Bowie, you know, the Illuminati satanic child over there when it comes to reinvention. Particularly when uh, you already look like a robot or some kind of android, right? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerbucks. All right, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we got here for our next President Trump statement. And uh, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. All right, it says here, huh, President Trump is going in on Mar uh, Jeff Zucker again, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what he's. Let's see what he's got to say this time. The stench of Jeff Zucker is finally leaving CNN. The air over there, the radical left will be happy to hear, is being made more environmentally friendly. The carbon footprint is looking better, but the stench remains. And also at low-rated MSDNC, where weak leaders like Brian Roberts of Concast who are under the thumb of the left don't allow the truth to be told stockholders should not retreat should not treat these companies well we'll need uh, a free and open press in our country and we need it now indeed ladies and gentlemen and uh, i would say that that may have been part of the handoff there you know uh, jeff zucker 
uh, you know, uh, falling on his sword, so to speak, uh, ultimately a big distraction, ultimately maybe something convenient, ultimately maybe uh, so that we're not paying attention to that uh, big media, big press cartel bill that they are trying to get passed up there on the hill. Yeah, I would say that's a, that would serve as a pretty good distraction in my opinion. Uh, but either way, enjoying the continued trolling of Jeff Zucker by one President Donald Trump just goes to show that the man does not need to tweet in order to get those stinging remarks across. And plus, he can say a whole lot more here than he can on any tweet. You know, who wants to create a, what, a stream link thread? Yeah, that, that stuff gets lame after a while. You just want to let it out all in one breath sometimes. So, uh, well, good for President Trump in that regard. Let's move on to our next Trump statement. All right. Did I pass one up? Let me just verify. I feel like I might have hit that button a little too hard twice. Yeah, no, I guess I didn't. All right, let's get back on it then. All right, January 6th Unselect Committee and Hoods Pelosi. Let's see what he's got to say about Nancy Pelosi, ladies and gentlemen. What's this all about? What's this all about? If Nancy Pelosi does her job on security, there is no January 6th. So the corrupt unselect committee should stop its work immediately. The committee is nothing but a cover-up for Pelosi's failure to act and Biden's failed administration. The more time the fake news media spends talking about this, the less time they have to talk about inflation, the horrendously implemented Afghanistan withdrawal, rising gas prices, loss of energy independence, woke military leaders, etc. That's what the radical left Dems want. Mm-hmm. Yep. The more time they try and create stories and uh, try to demonize the good people of this country who are present and uh, in some cases tricked into going into that uh, into going into that uh, Capitol building. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it can be said, guys, it can be said. It's a big old distraction. I mean, these guys are the masters of covering things up and covering things over. So, uh, well, what can I say, guys? What can I say? They don't got to talk about anything that President Trump talked about. And they also don't got to talk about all the stuff that they are doing over in the uh, Russian-Ukrainian neighborhood. Okay, guys. So uh, first, first things first, we are going to absolutely uh, cover a little bit of the uh, goings-ons between NATO and Russia, ladies and gentlemen, because that is basically what this boils down to. Now, uh, if you were with us earlier this afternoon, you might have uh, seen the uh, watch party that we had for the Putin interviews. We aired part two earlier this afternoon, had a live watch party, but uh, we prefaced the interview with some of the latest developments coming out of the Deep State Department in uh, their calls of aggression by Russia against Ukraine 
as they telegraph their next move, ladies and gentlemen, they telegraph their next move and their intention of how they are going to exacerbate this threat of war over there in the East. Okay, now I'm sure by now a lot of you guys have uh, seen and or heard about the clip that I'm about to play for you all. And we played it earlier, but uh, it's a classic. Uh, we have a deep state department spokesperson, uh, Ned Price, I believe is the name that was given. And uh, he's there doing his teleprompter thing and his word is God and what they say goes and they don't got to show you nothing. You just take their word for it, ladies and gentlemen. You take their word for it and that should be enough. At least uh, that's what they would like to think. Uh, and then we had some pushback by one of the uh, by one of the press members there. So that was an instant classic, ladies and gentlemen, that I think was really um, type of uh, bringing down the narrative just a little bit for these guys. You know, when they wanted to get there and be unopposed, but then they have to deal with uh, a little truth sayer coming out. Most definitely is not the kind of thing that they like to experience. So uh, we thought it was a golden piece of, uh, of media and television. Uh, so we're going to play that here now, guys, because this, uh, this is something you don't see all the time. Uh, but you can definitely see that uh, they are pushing through a facade, a visage of uh, officialness, officiality, whatever you want to call it. And it's just not working anymore, ladies and gentlemen. This was this is a really good clip. So I think we're set up for good sound here. So let me go ahead and let's go ahead and roll that uh, footage. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about it before we move on to the main stories for tonight. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. We have previously noted our strong concerns regarding Russian disinformation and the likelihood that Moscow might create, seek to create, a false flag operation to initiate military activity. Now, we can say that the United States has information that Russia is planning to stage fabricated attacks by Ukrainian military or intelligence forces as a pretext for a further invasion of Ukraine. One possible option the Russians are considering, and which we made public today, involves the production of a propaganda video, a video with graphic scenes of false explosions depicting cor corpses, crisis actors pretending to be mourners, and images of destroyed locations or military equipment, entirely fabricated by Russian intelligence. To be clear, the production of this propaganda video is one of a number of options that the Russian government is developing as a fake pretext to initiate and potentially justify military aggression against Ukraine. We don't know if Russia will necessarily use this or another option in the coming days. We are publicizing it now, however, in order to lay bare the extent of Russia's destabilizing actions towards Ukraine and to dissuade Russia from continuing this dangerous campaign and ultimately launching a military attack. Russia has signaled it's willing to continue diplomatic talks as a means to deescalate, but actions such as these suggest otherwise. We will continue to diligently work together with our allies and partners to expose Russian disinformation and other hybrid tactics used against Ukraine. We continue to work to prevent any effort Moscow might make to justify further military action in Ukraine. 
We again urge Russia to stop its destructive and destabilizing disinformation campaign, to de-escalate tensions, and to engage in diplomacy and dialogue for a peaceful solution. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pausing it right there. Don't you just don't you guys just love the way that uh, this man cannot even read off a teleprompter? I would suggest if you are not good at cold reading, my dear friend, then you should probably practice a little bit more before you get on stage. I would also suggest that uh, maybe, just maybe, you sound like you believe what you're reading. Maybe if this were as urgent and realistic and not just a big old con that the deep state department is trying to push off on the American people and the world, he might speak with a little bit more urgency, a little bit more passion, a little bit more veracity and oomph. But no, this is a total fake. And uh, I guess this guy was just raised in the deep state department to uh, read what they're told to read. And uh, all of the uh, blind Americans and the world will just follow suit because, after all, they are the deep state department. Okay. False flag. A video. Reminds me of Benghazi. Hmm. Reminds me of, uh, reminds me of the, uh... Videos that supposedly ticked off all of the, uh, you know, uh, Ahmed uh, Alibaba people over there in France when they beheaded that one reporter. I know that was way off, guys. Okay, <laughs> but uh, isn't the, isn't this just convenient, right? We have evidence that they're going to be using crisis actors and that they're going to be using fake video to show that Ukraine is the aggressor in order to get this set off. Boy. I think, uh, I think them trying to assassinate Zelensky when he goes to Russia is a far more believable parable than the one that they're trying to paint right here. And you know what? I and my audience are not the only ones to see right through this. Let's take a look at this AP reporter. And, uh, well, guys, it's fun. Uh, okay, well, that's quite a mouthful there. Um, so you said actions such as these suggest otherwise, suggest meaning they, they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of a, what actions are you talking about? One, the actions I've just pointed to. Uh, the, fact, action? the, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation well, uh, you campaigns. Know, you made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what we know, Matt, is what we what I have just said that they have engaged in this activity, well, uh, in this planning well, activity. What but activity? but let me let me because because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public. You'll remember that just a few well, weeks I, ago. I'm sorry, you made, made, made what report public? If you let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already well, taken. It's an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to, 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 to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the in in the making 
Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where where is it? Where Where is this information? It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well, where is it? Where is the declassified information? I just delivered it. No, you made a series of allegations and would you Would you like us to print it out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for that, yourself. That's not evidence, Ned. That's you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. What would you like, Matt? I, I would like to see some proof that you that 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 that, that you can show that that Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that 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 you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. A I long know that time. was my point. As, you as, you as have you, know. you you have been doing this for quite a while. You know I that have. when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so in a means. We do so. We do so with an eye to protecting sources and methods. I remember a lot of things. So where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying, Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we it's have declassified the format. It's the content. I'm it's, sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry you. I'm sorry like you are doubting this. the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I, I, what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you. Isn't it funny how, as an unelected official, okay. This man cannot stand up there with that air of, uh, of officiality. I mean, what can we say? Like, like a commander. He has to do little sophomoric retorts and quips, little childish high schoolic type of response. I'm sorry you don't like the report. I'm sorry you don't like the content. You know, blah, 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 blah. If this were real, ladies and gentlemen, if the intelligence these guys had was actually intelligent he would stand up there and he would command with authority the word i was looking for over this little core of press individuals and stress in no uncertain terms that what they are talking about is accurate and real and that they could probably also submit that evidence that was declassified okay now, maybe what the AP press member is not able to uh, express is, do you have copies of these videos that supposedly have been created as a false flag by Russia? Can you verify that to the press so that we can report it beyond a shadow of a doubt? Even if they don't make it public, okay? Even if they don't publicize the supposed Russia false flag videos, can they at least share that with the members of the press so that they can report beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can have confidence in the statements that the deep state department and little Mr. Ned Price over here are making in regards to starting another world war. He can't because it's not real and these guys are not equipped to be in the position that they are. The only position that they are equipped to be in is bent over a desk, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the long and short of it. Let's finish this. Uh, in order uh, for a couple reasons. One is to attempt to deter the Russians from going ahead with this activity. Two, in the event we're not able to do that, in the event the Russians do go ahead with this, to make it clear as day, to lay bare the fact that this has always been an attempt on the part of the Russian Federation to fabricate a pretext. Yeah, but you don't have any, any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying, we think we, we, we have information that the Russians may do this, 
but you won't tell us what the information well, is. That, and then when, when, that, when you're that, asked, that is the idea behind when, deterrence, Matt. When, that is the idea behind asked, deterrence. And when it is asked, our hope that the Russians don't go forward with this. Is, you say, I just gave it to you. But that, that's not what you you seem not to not understand you seem not to no, understand no, no, the man, idea of deterrence. Understand. We are you trying to deter the, the Russians of... from moving forward with this type of activity. That is why we are making it public today. If the Russians don't go forward with this, that is not uh ipso facto an indication that they never had plans to do so. Uh, but then it's unprovable. <laughs> My God. What is the evidence that you have that suggests that, that, that the Russians are even planning this? Matt, you, I mean, I'm not you, saying that they're not. But you just come out and say this and expect us just to, to, to believe it without you showing a shred of evidence that it's actually true. Other than when I ask or when anyone else asks, what's the information? You said, well, I just gave it to you, which was just you making a statement. Matt, you said yourself, you've been in this business for quite a long time. You know that when we make information, uh, intelligence information public, we do so uh, in, a, in a way that protects sensitive sources and methods. You also know that we do so, we declassify information only when we're confident in that information. Yeah, you if, you doubt, if you doubt the, the credibility of the U.S. government, of the British government, uh, of other governments, and want to uh, you know, find uh, solace in information that uh, the solace? Russians are putting out, uh, that is, uh, <laughs> that is for you to do. I'm not asking what the Russian government, government of the British government. government what, do you mean, what is it supposed to be? Officials are describing... Uh, very specific scenes, but do they actually have a video? The the fact that we are able to go into such great detail, uh, obviously, I'm not going to spell out what is in our possession, but I will leave uh, I will leave it to you. Uh, I will leave that to your uh, to your judgment. There, your there are no facts that you spelled out. This was intended to come out in the coming days. We've we've said then for some time now that the Russians uh, have positioned forces. Uh, they have undertaken preparations that if Putin decides to move forward with an invasion, uh, they're positioned to do so. They are poised to do so. In the coming days, I mean, is that a timeline that you felt that this was going to happen imminently? Well, we, we know what they are planning for. We know the contingencies uh, that uh, they have engaged in. Uh, and again, these are the kinds of steps uh, that they are poised to undertake if that decision is made. And Our goal. Yeah, I really hesitate to pause this again, guys, because uh, we got a lot to cover tonight. But it, just listen to what he's saying. He's like, uh, well, we're not I'm not going to uh, get into all the details and what we have. We're going to leave that to your judgment. We're going to leave that to your judgment. Well, you wonder why, Mr. Ned, they're uh, making a big fuss right now. It's because they're trusting their judgment and they know you're full of it. Okay. They know they are full of it. Okay. And that's, that's the main holdup right here, ladies and gentlemen. And then, uh, he's like, yeah, they're poised to make these decisions. Uh, I mean, if, uh, you know, and playing with something on the desk, if, if that's what they want to do, we know about it. Now we're not going to play this entire press briefing. Obviously it's an hour long. We don't got the time for it. We'll play maybe another minute or two more. But uh, later on, he, he, they go on with these lies. We know that they've amassed 100,000 plus troops on the very border of Ukraine. And that's a lie. They're like 120 miles or more away from the border. The, the, uh, the Russian forces are uh, over 100 miles away from the border. They are not positioned to strike. They did not invade Ukraine in 2014, and they stressed that lie again 
in this press briefing, falling back on what they expect the American people and the world have forgotten over the course of the last eight years because there's always been that constant lie that runs through the media press nerve and that is that Russia is the aggressor, Putin is a dictator, and uh, they want to invade and capture Ukraine and take it back, okay? Even, even during the Putin interviews, which we watched earlier today, part two, they were talking about the Georgia-South Ossetia um, um, a debacle that happened over there. And that was another smear campaign by the media against Russia when they had nothing to do with it initially, okay? It was between Georgia and them wanting to take back South Ossetia that wanted to break free from them. To be their own republic or to be a part of Russia, again, I don't know, but that was the fact of the matter. And I believe Putin when he said that's what was happening and that the Western media were the ones who totally took that uh, false narrative, ran away with it, and lied to the world and painted them as the bad guys. That's all I got to say about that. Let's, uh, we'll check out a couple more minutes of this and then we got to get into some more news, ladies and gentlemen. Got to get into it. The goal in all of this uh, is to deter an invasion, to deter uh, this type uh, of activity. Uh, so we certainly hope it doesn't take place. We are making clear what we know so that in the event it does take place, uh, it will be clear to the world uh, what this actually was and what it was not. And the pre-positioned teams, uh, when do you uh, suggest they were pre-positioned? Are we going back months? I mean, what is the more recent deployment? Well, this was something that we made public several weeks ago now. Uh, so several weeks ago, we said that uh, information available to us indicated that Russia had already pre-positioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. Was it uh, recent at that point? Because if they had come across just a few weeks ago, that would be a, a Russian aggression across the border, which you've warned time and time again would result in you know, severe consequences. Then you know that the sort of hybrid activity that we've been pointing to, uh, much of it has been going on since 2014. Obviously, we're very attuned. Uh, to any uh, Russian aggression uh, against Ukraine that uh, may take place in this atmosphere, given the uh, heightened tensions, tensions, Andrea. Did you in any, case, in any way describe your level of confidence at, which you have not suggested, at how far along in the planning this is, you know, at some level of planning in terms of their possible operation? The facts, Andrea, that um, we are able to go into such detail, uh, the fact that we are able to do that uh, with, uh, 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 with confidence, because we would not be saying this otherwise, uh, suggests that uh, this is something that uh, is, this planning, uh, at least, this contingency planning, is well underway. Uh, we wouldn't be making this information public uh, were we not confident in the underlying details uh, and confident in the allegations that we put forward. Okay, we'll stop right there. We're done with that, guys. Uh, what, a, what a softball question that was, right? Uh, how confident are you in the statements that you're making today? Come on, Andrea. You can do a little bit better. And they look at, he's a little relieved. He's like, oh, God bless Andrea. I can always count on her to wipe my tush and give it to me softly. Jeez Louise, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done with this. We're done talking about this. But this was the perfect illustration, which is it's really rather appalling 
ladies and gentlemen, that at the end of the day, after President Zelensky of Ukraine said, I think you need to butt out. Uh, I, after all, am the president of this here land, and uh, we most definitely uh, know better about Russian aggression than what your intelligence is saying to us, Deep State Department, that they are still moving forward with this, guys. This was in their playbook. This was probably, they probably had this planned since, uh, what, Obama, right? They probably had this planned at least since Obama, Okay, at least since Obama, and they're too damn lazy to try and uh, what? What do they say? You have to be able to uh, to 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 grow and change. You know, you have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to adapt. I think something that we should feel rather blessed about, guys, is that the deep state is really bad at adapting when things don't go their way. Okay? <laughs> if that's because it's some kind of ingrained arrogance that they never thought that they would have to, I'm willing to bet that that's a piece of it. But they've never learned how to adapt. And so they're still going to try and run this playbook even after it's been thrown in their face. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, NATO forces are indeed provoking Russia. Okay, we're going to hop on over to New Hampshire now. Before we get into that, let me just go ahead and do a few little greetings here. Uh, if you're joining us live, thank you again. This is uh, the 241st episode of The Sea Report. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys tonight. I'm glad you all are uh, hanging out and coming on in. Uh, we are live on Rumble. Good evening to all of those who are joining us now on Rumble. We are live on Twitch, Foxhole, Pilled, and Clout Hub. Good evening to you uh, friends over there at Twitch and at Clout Hub. And of course, to the family and community of patriots over at uh, Pilled and at Foxhole. Y'all guys, hope you are doing well. 123SKG, Sean, Joe, Relanon, great to see you guys. And thank you uh, for the donations coming this way. Uh, CJM61, good evening. Bill Tech, howdy boy, how you doing tonight? It's true because I told you it's true. So say it, CJM61. He's, uh, he's le learning that lingo of the deep state, right? Persnick, good evening. Good to see you in the chat rooms tonight. And uh, CDP4JC, this is indeed round two, my friend. This is indeed round two. And uh, we're glad to be here with you guys again now. Yeah, wah, 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 right? That's kind of all. It's more like one of those trumpet wah, wahs. <laughs> Massive fail. Right, ladies and gentlemen? Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, what do we got on the table for you guys tonight? As promised, we'll be talking mucho, mucho about election integrity and fraud. We've got four states to focus on tonight. Uh, now, these are states that have not been top of the mind or have not been in the mind at all, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now, New Hampshire, and we're starting with New Hampshire because something big is happening in New Hampshire right now, guys. Something huge is happening in New Hampshire. So we're going to do a bit of a retrospect on New Hampshire for all of those who are new to the show or the broadcast or who may not have been hanging out with us as long as others. Uh, we are definitely going to get into uh, some of the stories. We've been covering New Hampshire since about May of 2021, guys, because the people of New Hampshire, since about March or February of 2021, if not earlier, have been fighting for election integrity in their state. New Hampshire's are New Hampshire, not New Hampshireans. Is that what they would be called? They're fighters, guys. They are fighters. They are tenacious. They don't give up. They haven't stopped. 
And you know, to be quite frank, I'm I'm quite surprised they've fallen off of our radar as they have, but you know what? It got quiet over there in New Hampshire for a little bit. It got quiet. The dust settled, and when that dust settled, what we learned is oh, they are about ready to go for round number 2 in New Hampshire, guys. They're not done yet. Ooh, props to the people of New Hampshire, ladies and gentlemen. We're also going to talk about Texas tonight. Uh, I know you guys have been itching for some of that Texas news. And for those of you who have been informed about the uh, full forensic audit that they're doing here in the state of Texas, well, we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to dissect that just a little bit because they've already completed phase one of this sham audit. They've already completed phase one of this massive fraud. It. They've already completed the first phase of bamboozling the people of Texas once again, ladies and gentlemen. And in doing so, they will be bamboozling and deceiving the rest of America and basically sticking a middle finger right up to the face of President. Trump who requested this audit to begin with. So don't think that I have been resting on my laurels about this audit. Oh, we're going to talk about this audit and we're going to talk about some of the findings and we're going to talk about how the media, the press and the politicians are lying to the people of Texas and lying to President Trump about what happened in Texas in 2020 during that general election. Then we also got new, we also got the Carolinas, guys. We're going to be talking about North Carolina and South Carolina as election integrity measures are uh, kicking into high gear, guys. We got a couple of wins over in that uh, part of the country, and uh, we got a lot more to come. And you know what they say about what's to come, right? It's the best, guys, and it's coming. So uh, that's what that's where we will be talking tonight. Let's get into tonight's story about New Hampshire, guys. Now, New Hampshire, I am I am particularly fond of this story because we covered this again back in May of 2021 when the state of New Hampshire was undergoing its first full forensic. Audit, And now you can call it a full forensic audit for all that it's worth. And it amounted to uh, about, I don't know, uh, a hill of not so magical beans, ladies and gentlemen, when we got down to it in New Hampshire. What they did in New Hampshire during that first full forensic audit was nothing short of a Katie Hobbs fraud it, ladies and gentlemen. It was a bunch of bull. And uh, it, it should, eh, 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 sir, sir, please, sir should not have been seen as uh, as something that we could call a genuine audit. I want to start with this uh, video clip coming out of New Hampshire. Now, like I said, they had a full forensic audit in New Hampshire in May of 2021, guys. We covered it almost on the daily during that time here at the Sea Report. I'm going to play this video clip for you guys. And watching this video clip, you might think that this is a clip from May of 2021, when the people of New Hampshire were fighting for election integrity and fighting for the truth about what happened in the state of New Hampshire during the 2020 general election. Here's the kicker. This video is from a day ago. Let's check it out. Spend an afternoon and start connecting the dots. Granite Staters convinced that the 2020 election was fraudulent, alternately pleaded with and threatened state reps to pass legislation for a full forensic audit of the results 
paid for by donations. We realize there's something wrong across this country. We can't put our finger on it, but we know it's there. James Wood of Merrimack attended President Trump's January 6th rally on the Ellipse, marched to the U.S. Capitol, but did not join those storming the building. And I watched what happened. I stood with other veterans. There were three million of us down there. 500,000 of us were standing around talking about what's going on. And they say exactly what I'm going to tell you. When the political process breaks down, then you're going to have the military option occur. Some believe New Hampshire's vote counting machines were compromised in a conspiracy dating back to the 1988 Republican presidential primary. Governor Sununu's father is the one that got the machines here in New Hampshire. So just so you know that. And if you want to go way back when it was Bush against Dole, Let's talk about that. Dole had that election in Manchester. He was leading by nine points, nine or ten points when our polls were really good at that point. The machines got slipped in right then. The Secretary of State says New Hampshire's voting systems are decentralized and administered locally. And if the dedicated volunteers who run elections thought something was amiss, they would have spoken up. Frankly, I haven't heard anything here today in the form of evidence that shows that there was something wrong uh, on a larger scale that we really need to look into. But those who came here to testify aren't buying it, and they specifically warned Republican reps that defying them would be a mistake. You continue to go down the wrong path, and you'll have to face your maker along with a lot of righteous constituents in this state who will live free or we will die. In Concord, Adam Sexton, WMUR News 9. That is some exciting stuff there, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I did not give you permission. Hold on, let me get let me get this thing killed real quick. <laughs> that is that is that is that is next level, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is next level for uh, what they got going on there, guys. That that just happened. This report came. Would you knock it off, please? Oh my, sorry, guys. Let me uh. Let me try and get this this thing under control here. Uh, that was actually published uh, on the second, two days ago, guys. Next level, guys. Next level up there in the state of New Hampshire. But like I said, state of New Hampshire already had their first audit. And maybe that would explain why they are so pissed off, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe that would explain why they are so pissed off. Now, to get to today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do a retrospective. We're going to do a brief, uh, a brief uh, uh, um, pop back in time to the first forensic audit to consider, guys, exactly why they are where they are right now, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the first full forensic audit of uh, New Hampshire happened in the township of Wyndham. Okay, now Wyndham Township, guys, it was uh, it was man, it was crazy. Uh, of course, it's uh, from uh, sources like the Gateway Pundit, and also at that time the Granite Grok, which is a New Hampshire Northeast uh, uh, press 
uh, you know, um, agency uh, that we were able to actually catch wind of what was going on up there in New Hampshire. Uh, also, from the reporting of Heather Mullins, uh, we were able to kind of deduce what was happening. And this was a full forensic audit, guys. It was happening during the same time that the Arizona forensic audit was happening, and no one seemed to be paying attention to it. And it ended up being a full-on fraud it, to borrow the lingo of Katie Hobbs, okay? Now, now, it was it was indeed a sham audit guys it was a sham audit they had a three person panel three individuals uh who performed this full on audit you had philip stark who is known for being a uh, computer science guy and uh has also been uh, who has also worked with the likes of uh, verified voting uh, who was actually put into place and worked with the EAC by none other than Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. You had Mark Lindemann, who is actually a selectman for the township of Wyndham in Wyndham, New Hampshire, Okay, who staunchly opposed the Arizona audit when it was first unfolding. In fact, there is a letter... And I could show it to you if you want, or you guys can take my word for it. But there is a letter that went to the desk of Karen Fan from Mark Elias, uh, former Hillary Clinton, uh, progressive Democrat, communist sympathizing lawyer extraordinaire. Okay, who seems to really focus on elections, right? When he's trying to uh, when he's trying to uh, undermine the Constitution and the will of the people. You had uh, you had uh, the Brendan Justice Center. You had pro VNV. You had verified voting, okay? All of these people sending their letters, sending their threats of litigation to Senate President Karen Fan in the summertime, telling him to stop this forensic audit. And Mark Lindemann signed his name on that letter. Okay, we showed you guys this letter back in May, okay? But this was one of the other men who was selected to perform the audit in Wyndham, New Hampshire. And perhaps the worst and the third and final uh, component of the forensic audit panel in New Hampshire was Harry Hursty. You got it, Sean Joe. You got it, Sean Joe. It was none other than big ol' uh, election con artist Sasquatch himself, Harry Hursty, okay? Hari Hursty, who showed the world how to hack into the Diebold, Diebold election equipment uh, back in 2005. He sat there and said, I don't got to worry about what uh, the ballots go in and what it tabulates. All I have to do is hack this here memory card and we're good to go. Okay, the same memory cards that he spent 45 minutes on each card to try and configure them and get the data off of, which we know was BS. And that's not the only amount of shenanigans going on there, particularly in regard to Harry Hursty, who also served on a debriefing meeting for the United Nations in 2018 prior to the primaries. Uh, and, uh, well, we'll give you a little bit more information on that. We don't, well, you know, I'll just tell you about it right now. Okay. Aside from, uh, aside from also working on, uh, the advisory board for verified voting, aside from also teaching us how to hack into the Diebold memory cards, thereby, uh, you know, commanding and commandeering elections to their, uh, taste, uh, we also had Harry Hursty working with the Election Cybersecurity Committee 
in the United Nations in 2018 to debrief international election observers who were dispatched throughout these United States of America into 2018 during the midterm elections. I said primaries, but midterm elections of 2018. Now, why would Hari Hursty be briefing a delegation of international election observers who let these people in? Why was that approved? Well, you might want to ask the National Association of Secretaries of State because it's that story that put them on the map over here at the Sea Report. And, well, guys, we're not going to get into that tonight. But, that yeah, I told you, you might be left a little dissatisfied with tonight's report, guys, because we got a lot of ground to cover. And we've already covered this stuff, but we'll happily rehash it as is needed. And we're going to rehash New Hampshire right now in Wyndham because a lot of us out there don't even know what the heck happened in New Hampshire back in May and why they're so pissed off up there. I mean, they're pissed off because their election was stolen either way. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, now the reason why this really hit the map for us here at the Sea Report, other than the fact that we really do enjoy sharing the stories of election integrity and election fraud, because after all, ladies and gentlemen, our vote is our freedom. Our vote is our liberty. Our vote is our sovereignty. It's not just our choice and our voice, ladies and gentlemen. It is the actual symbolic representation of freedom and liberty in this country. If we do not have an accurate, safe, and secure vote, we do not have freedom or liberty, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I cannot stress that enough. And that's why we share these stories more than we share stories about COVID or more than we share stories about, uh, uh, you know, senile Joe and his dirty diapers, okay? Because as entertaining as, you know, pedo Joe and his uh, lack of a mind are, this is more important, okay? So they, they fell on the map for us here whenever uh, we were getting reports from the Gateway Pundit and the Granite Grok that they were going to be having a town hall meeting and they needed as, as many people who believed in the election fraud of 2020 to show up, okay? And so I was like, hey, this is an election integrity story. Let's go with it, guys. Now, what happened at this event, okay? We had so many citizens in New Hampshire show up in Wyndham to confront their selectmen, their, their city council, their town hall, uh, adelmen, whatever you want to call them, okay? That uh, they essentially shut down the meeting. They moved it to a portable in the back. Only 30 people were allowed in of the 200 plus who were waiting outside. They shut down that meeting. They ignored the will of the people. They moved it to a high school, and oh, it got kind of crazy in that high school auditorium, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what. So uh, I actually pulled up the Gateway Pundits reference stories on the New Hampshire Wyndham Township um, uh, audit, and also I, and I also referenced Uncovered DC, so this way we don't have to go and like read through all the fine print, but just so you guys can get an idea of what was happening there. And just look at the headlines. Hundreds turn out to Wyndham, New Hampshire City meeting on forensic audit. Selectmen meeting back down to a smaller venue. They're in this venue. They have to walk out because the people are getting so PO'd at what they're being told. They move it over to a school. It gets even crazier. The entire audience turns their back on their town representatives. Okay, and then they bring in Hari Hursty. Okay, let's go ahead and you guys got to check this out.
you guys got to check this out. Okay, this is just a visual representation of what I'm talking about, guys. So you can see exactly the drama that was going on over there in New Hampshire before we move on with the rest of the events that add up to a summation of a fraud audit, a sham audit that has left a very dirty taste in the mouths of the people of New Hampshire. Please keep your comments to yourself. If they allow you time to step up to the podium to speak, that is up to them. So please allow them. Tensions running high at tonight's Windham Board of Selectmen meeting as discussions progress over the town's audit of its November election results. Windham Selectman recently approved Verified Voting, a Philadelphia-based company, as its representative for that audit. But the selection is raising questions among supporters of former President Donald Trump, including Selectman Bruce Breton, because the company joined efforts to halt vote audits at recounts in Arizona. I think the people have spoken and they want that. They, they don't think we made the right choice. We didn't listen to them. The meeting was recessed and moved to the high school to accommodate the large crowd that had gathered both inside and outside of town hall. In the end, Breton's motion to reconsider did not receive enough votes from the board to move forward. If we take up a motion to reconsider, we would be pushing this out for at least a week or two weeks before we have another meeting. Settle down, folks. It would be settling it down. And the problem is, as I said, no new information has come up. Now, also today, the Secretary of State and Attorney General announced their pick for the audit team. Harry Hursty, a computer programmer from Finland. Hursty and Verified Voting will now make their choice for a third member for the team. Reporting live tonight, I'm Tim Callery, WM. Okay, so that was a little that was a little bit of the drama that was going on over there, guys. At that time, very, very interesting piece of info there. Uh, let's see what we got up here for you guys. Okay, so we're going to go back to the timeline. So this way we can catch up with what was going on over there. I think it's very important. I consider just replaying those episodes, but it was a span of, you know, a, a few weeks. It was like, you know, a good week or two that this entire ordeal is going on. So couldn't possibly do that. So we're going to do a quick recap. So at that point, you see they're at the... God, man, you guys got to see that video where they turned their backs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh, it sent chills up and down my spine. Uh, reference, uh, the Gateway Pundit, May 3rd, 2021. Wyndham residents stand with backs turned on board as they railroad audit process, screaming and chanting, resign, resign, resign. Ladies and gentlemen, I, it was riveting. It was so much fun. Even you know, this is what this you got to make fun out of trying to save our country because otherwise, you know what? We're gonna what be be black pilled and sad and depressed. Nah, we're gonna we're gonna do this, guys. That's what we're here for. Okay, so uh, they get Philip Stark to join their uh, their committee of three, their panel of three auditors, right? Okay, uh, and that was uh, basically uh, that, ladies and gentlemen. He was actually also a member of Verified Voting as well, but he had resigned earlier because uh, he realized that what they were doing was not constitutional and lacked morals and scruple, ladies and gentlemen. The people of New Hampshire wanted Jovan Pulitzer 
to be the man to audit their uh, their election, but they did not get that. You had the uh, the town selectmen choosing those three against the will of the people, and that just kind of really set them off. What happened after that is we ended up going into an, a forensic audit process. It would ha- it was housed at like a local activity center, or uh, you know like uh, yeah, public public activity center, that's the best way I could put it. Um, and, uh, you know, they had the three auditors, they, uh, they audited the tabulators, they, uh, they audited the actual ballots, uh, they, they, did, uh, they did forensic, uh, you know, inspections of the machines, the equipment, they went into talking about whether they were, they did the whole, they did basically as much as they could without, uh, I mean, it, nothing, it was nothing like what we saw in Arizona, obviously. First of all, you only had three people. Uh, you also did not have inspections of the ballot paper. You also did not have a canvas, okay? Even though the canvas was not officially part of the audit, forensically speaking, that was being hosted by the state Senate there in Arizona, canvas is still very important, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure we all understand that at this point. Okay, uh, so let's see what else we had going on here. There was a few uh, things that were untoward during this audit, okay? A few things that were very untoward. For example, we had evidence of uh, the voting machine's uh, seals, the plastic seals or the stickers that go over the, uh, over the memory card devices. We had evidence of those being tampered with. We had, uh, we had um, the live, it was being live streamed 24-7, guys. We had live stream footage go missing, or rather the live stream feed cut bri- prior to the physical ballot inspection, okay? Prior to the physical ballot inspection and also prior to the machines being inspected. All of a sudden, for a few hours... On a Wednesday evening, the feed is cut, okay? That's when they notice the seals are tampered with the next day. That's when they're like, okay, did someone mess with these ballots? Did someone mess with these, uh, with these um, um, uh, electronic voting machines, the Diebold machines? So that was some of the other stuff that was going on there, all reported mostly by Heather Mullins um, out of uh, the East Coast. She's all up and down the East Coast. She also does a lot of reporting in Georgia as well. So we were following her Twitter feed at that time. We were following the Granite Rock. We were following the Gateway Pundit to bring you guys these stories. Uh, let's see what else we had here uh, as we move along this timeline. Uh, we had uh, what uh, several local communities had bizarre date and timestamps. Uh, they also found evidence of tampering with the uh, the uh, audit tabulating machines as well as the uh, the paper trail the uh, actual uh, the actual um, receipts I guess you could say from the audit uh, reports. Um, let's see what else do we have going on here. Uh, th- th- this one talks about how two of the auditors, that would be Mark Lindemann and also uh, Philip Stark, were uh, basically uh, put into place by Pelosi and Schumer. So they already had those connections there. Okay. Now, ultimately, what we saw coming out of Wyndham, New Hampshire, is this is what they determined. They determined, oh, oh, and I might add, by the way, guys, that uh, Mark Lindemann and Philip Stark vanished about two weeks before the audit was completed. And they left all smelly old Sasquatch Harry Hursty there to do the audit by himself two weeks to the end. Okay, so what's up with that, right? Like, clearly this man 
in my opinion, Harry Hursty had this whole thing rigged and ready to go. And he didn't even need those guys there. They were just there as puppets. They were just there for show, okay? Because he already knew what they were going to do. Now, the, the main point of this fraudit, the main objective for Harry Hursty was to prove that there was no type of uh, intrinsic fraud in the election. And also that the machines could be trusted. But they found an error. They found a scapegoat. This was their scapegoat. The scapegoat was that the ballot folding machines in just one of the counties, just one of the counties, the ballot folding machines actually are the ones that caused the difference, the variance between the vote count and the ballots, ladies and gentlemen, because it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, um, it was a, it was a discrepancy is what actually gave the fuel to the election integrity seekers to get this thing started. And basically what it did is, is it shorted the Republicans all like 300 votes, you know, and they never would have said anything, but you had one Democrat who was supposed to win that election and she lost by like a vote or two. Okay. And she demanded a recount. And then it surfaced that there was a difference between the ballots and the tabulations by like about 300, uh, give or take on uh, basically on the part of Republican candidates. Okay, that's where it started. Okay, so what Harry Hursty and his team of hacks deduced was that the uh, precincts within that county uh, that had these folding machines that folded the paper wrong, which meant several things. First of all, it meant that the blame went on to the folding machine. Second of all, it meant that the machines are still reliable. Third of all, it meant that the tabulators are still reliable. Fourth of all, it meant that there was no forensic, uh, there was no intrinsic fraud and no widespread fraud in the state of New Hampshire, because surely it was just those single tabulators in that county that it happened to in Wyndham. Not in, uh, not in the entire state, okay? So they didn't even do the entire state, guys. They only did a county. They only did Wyndham Township, all right? Now, they're able to wash their hands of, uh, you know, any type of election fraud, okay? But everybody saw what was going on, guys. They had it streaming every day. They did, they, this thing was live streaming every day. Uh, this one talks about how uh, after missing several days and putting his hands in his pockets when he was present, verified voting's Mark Lindemann claims the Wyndham audit was robust. He vanished like a week or two till it completed. What would he know about it being robust, right? Uh, let's go over here real quick. This is Uncover DC. Uh, and this is their timeline of, timeline of events for what was going on over there in Wyndham during this, uh, this entire sham audit. Let's go ahead and take a look over here. I know you guys can't see what I'm looking at. Let me expand that for you guys just a little bit. I apologize. All right. Uh, they got a little bit more meat on the bone over here when they're talking about some of the discrepancies. Uh, we got here ballot folds are, whoops, we're not doing that. Come on, buddy. Let's get back to where we were. Wyndham audit update machine to repeatedly favor Democrat candidates. Now we're not going to look at that one. We're not interested in that one. Let's go ahead and take, uh, take a step back here. 
All right, uh, Wyndham audit tabulators. Uh, ballot folds are not the only problem. So, you know, uh, the independent press, the citizen media, they're definitely uh, able to find this stuff. Wyndham auditors tampered with machine tape data. Okay, uh, so there, there's just some of the things that were going on here. I think I actually have that one pulled up for you guys to uh, consider. Or maybe not. This is from the World Tribune. Um, oh, you know what? Well, I think there's a recap on that real quick. Let me, no, 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 it's not. Okay. Let's, let's take a look at that one. It's fun to, uh, fun to, to see this stuff guys, because it's, it's really amazing what was going on here during this entire ordeal. And, uh, shame to say a lot of the video that we actually aired here at the sea report is no longer available, but, uh, that's probably, uh, that's probably uh, to be expected, isn't it? Okay, let's take a look at this one, for example. Oh, now you can't reach the page, huh? There we go. All right, don't do that to me. Okay. Let's take a gander here, guys. Wyndham auditors tampered with machine tape data. So, uh, here, memory card, they did a reset. At 11.49, they cleared the counters at 11.50. They started their session at 1.30 in the afternoon. This was dated 11.05. That would be the 5th of November, 2020. What, two days after the election? The forensic audit in Wyndham, New Hampshire, is over, but the... Uh, but the momentum to keep it alive is just getting started. Late Thursday, Marilyn Todd of New Hampshire Voter Integrity Group made some bombshell discoveries. Now, Marilyn Todd is still very active in New Hampshire. Uh, and uh, she has also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, done a canvas of New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, I don't got many details on that, but hey, we're catching up, right? So, uh, so it says, last Friday when the machine reports were being printed at the audit, Todd, who has kept a close watch on Hursty, took pictures of them. Late Thursday, she had the report pictures up on her computer when something earth-shattering caught her eye. She spoke about it Thursday evening in a live video with Nick Mosader, CamCon, Susan D. Settembrino, and Professor David Clements. Of course, that video is no longer available. Todd, a financial auditor and founder of New Hampshire Voter Integrity Group, reported that activity on a computer with firmware software on it would be listed on an internal audit report. Indeed, this is the case with Wyndham's machines, which are serviced and maintained by LHS Associates, who are a subsidiary of, you guessed it, Dominion Voting Machines. Interestingly, LHS President Jeff Silvestro was present multiple days at the audit. Upon looking closer at the pictures, the machine's audit report from May 12th, Todd noticed the following specific line items among others. Line number 30, session start date, session start date, 5-12-21. Line 31, machine put in supervised mode. Line 33, memory card reset. Line 34, session start date, 5-12-21. Line 35, prep for election. Line 36, clear counters. Line 37, start data. Line 37, session start date, 11-3-20. Line 43, session start date, 11-5-20. So in May of 2021, someone erased this stuff and then started their session on 11-3 and 11-5. Okay, now... 
This right here is the perfect example of the type of data that the Secretary of State in Colorado, Jenna Griswold, erased, okay? Because apparently all you need is the numbers. You don't need the long form uh, mathematics and equations that got you to that answer. That, that information right there is exactly the information that has been erased from the majority of the machines, if not all of them in Colorado, the ones that tells you every step that they took, every step they take, every move they make, okay? Well, if you, did, if you had saved your data, they'd be watching you. But Jenna Griswold says that this is the kind of data that is not needed. All you need is the numbers. All you need is the, the end result, okay? Just as an example about what's happening in Colorado and why we, can why we can thank Tina Peters and why we can thank the second county clerk for making duplicates of that data before it was erased, okay? Now, back to New Hampshire... Okay, so this is what you noticed. Now, according to Todd and reported by Uncover DC, Hursty previously indicated that he would need to reset the entire memory card because it was not possible to clear the counters. Upon seeing the machine's audit report, Todd realized that was not true and the memory card does not need to be deleted as Hursty insisted. Hursty is the one who taught us that all you have to do is manipulate the memory cards on these Diebold, Diebold machines and you don't even got to worry about what ballot goes in where. Looking further at the tape, Todd observed more damning evidence of potentially fraudulent activity. She said Hursty previously stated on record the machines need to be registered with the date of November 3rd for Wyndham's forensic audit. However, as evident on line 43, before Hursty printed the reports from the machine, he changed the date to 11-520, which would have removed all of the algorithms in the device associated with 11-320. It is also possible, according According to Sedenbrino, to set the date at the top of the tape to 11.320, even though the date on line 43 is 11.520. Simply put, the smoking gun discovery is as follows. Someone went in, reopened the election, and then closed it and backdated it. What this proves, in theory, is ballot stuffing, meaning they can run through ballots after the election, close it, and backdate it. According to Todd and the others on the live video, it seems feasible that Harry Hursty and the other auditors are covering up for whomever tampered with the machines by setting the machines back to November 3rd and clearing memory cards. It also raises additional questions about Jeff Silvestro's role in New England's elections. Very interesting, guys, don't you think? Very interesting. Now, keep in mind, these machines service the northeastmost five states, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. So it is quite possible that we had... It's not just quite possible. I'm pretty sure it's darn right plausible that we had the same type of activity happening in those five states of the northeast eastern um, uh, United States front, guys. Very, very plausible. Almost beyond deniability, ladies and gentlemen. What a story, guys. Like, New Hampshire was riveting. It's probably a lot more riveting in retrospect as opposed to the day-by-day, day, I'll admit. 
but quite interesting indeed. Indeed, CJM61, this is the Wayback Machine. Uh, do you think they have those videos in the Wayback Machine? Is that what you're referencing? Or do you think that it's because we're going into the past? <laughs> it could be just that. But like I said, these are stories that need to be told. They need to be repeated. They need to be reminded. They need to be resurfaced because after all, ladies and gentlemen, we can't just let them get lost in our memory holes Okay, otherwise, how are we going to prove things when we get down to the wire, right? We have to be able to recall this stuff. This happened. It is important and it is most definitely needing a little bit of light, ladies and gentlemen, especially considering what's going down in New Hampshire right now. Now, uh, this uh, article from the World Tribune, um, it, uh, it commemorates what happened when the cameras mysteriously turned off during the wind of new hampshire audit it says here cameras mysteriously go dark in windham new hampshire audit that could have statewide implications let's take a look guys it's just for memory lane purposes live stream cameras that had been broadcasting the forensic examination of the 2020 election results in windham new hampshire went offline for nearly 90 minutes on wednesday potentially obscuring any problematic intervention a report said the audit team decided Thursday morning to re-inspect the ballot machines on camera in an attempt to maintain observers' faith in the process. They needed to determine whether the machines had been tampered with overnight when the cameras mysteriously went down, just the news reported on Friday. Truth, Truth North reports noted that before the security camera footage went dark, a person... The report identifies as being from the New Hampshire Attorney General's office is seen walking toward a table with secured ballots. Guys, we played this video here on the C report and it might be erased from the annals of the interwide webs, but uh, we have it archived here at the C report, guys. That's exciting. So there you go. There you see this uh, this zombie troll here walking towards the ballots. Right. And then and you have you have a, a, a law enforcement official here and then it goes dark, guys. Then it goes dark. And then not only do we have this happen, but they have like what? Like, I think it's like 22 or 24 boxes of ballots on that table. Well, when the lights go back on, they suddenly have like 26 boxes. Hmm. Wonder what's up with that. Right. Let's see what the rest of this article has to say. It says, uh, my contact in Wyndham tells me that before the cameras go out, the state trooper, also pictured, can be heard saying something to the effect that there's nobody else in the room, the report said. We are interested in why the trooper would say that or why the live stream microphones were on before the cameras went black. The report asked, why was an official from the attorney general's office even there at that hour? at 11.15 p.m. on a Wednesday night, and then the cameras go black for over an hour. The audit is focused on Wyndham. A population of less than 15,000 could have statewide repercussions as the AccuVote machines used in the town are the only vote counting machines approved for use in New Hampshire, the report said. A November hand recount in a state legislative race revealed count votes uh, discrepancies up and down the ballot, all benefiting Democrats. The goal of the audit is to review the 2020 results in hopes of finding an explanation for these discrepancies. Okay, and we'll leave it there, guys, because we've got more ground to cover tonight. But uh, that was that, guys. So you had this instance... 
which really dampers the confidence that one can take in any type of election audit. But uh, I'm going to play this video for you guys now because this is Philip Stark. Okay, this is one of the guys who is part of the audit. All right. And this guy on camera talks about how all of a sudden four extra boxes of ballots that were previously unaccounted for pop up out of nowhere, okay? And then this guy vanishes from the audit with two weeks to go before its completion. I wonder why, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? He's probably scared that he has been caught, busted, and he does not want anything to do with the fraud of an audit that was happening in New Hampshire back in May. All right. Let's get this going, guys. Can you just answer, how, so clarify, so 22 boxes were sent? Actually, don't recall the number offhand. Okay, yeah. but they received more back. We, we, we received, so for the purpose of the recount, some number of boxes were sent from Wyndham to the Secretary of State's office. Yeah. Separate from the recount issue, other election materials were sent to the Secretary of State's office. Okay. We have received not only the materials that were there for the recount, but also apparently some other materials in addition. And we're gotcha. trying to clarify exactly what those were, okay. compare the log numbers to gotcha. the Wyndham records. So, so someone's forth. going through all those now, or how's that being done? We, we have the... Um, the log, uh, the custody log for all of the materials and okay. the inventory, and probably after we do the seals check, we'll turn to do we'll turn to doing that with the window. So um, there's like a, there's some extra boxes in there that there's, we're there's two to... there's two containers that in some sense we you know, we shouldn't have received They're not gotcha. part of this process. Okay, and we don't know what's in them, or we, we do don't know what's in them yet. Um, we do know that it's not voted ballots. Those are those are all separate and accounted. Okay. 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 All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. So, well, there you have that. Ladies. Stop looking at what I watch. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, oh, my bad. Uh, so here, guys, like uh, you have this happening, guys. And uh, like I said, Phil Stark, he vanishes. He vanishes. He probably wants nothing to do with it. Because that's a big question. Chain of custody. Where did four boxes of ballots suddenly appear from? Oh, one thing is for sure, ladies and gentlemen, there was a lot to shake their head at during the 2020 election fraud audit in New Hampshire. Okay, now there's a big old picture of Harry Hursty, the smelly Sasquatch con artist hack man. Um, well, we already talked about him, so I don't got to bring it up anymore. So let's let, now we're going to go into the, the what is it? The 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 now time machine ad. <laughs> Let's take it. Let's take it forward, guys. So, what is going on in New Hampshire now? Uh, I, I have it. I have it on good word from a little birdie. Uh, is basically an interview I saw with Marilyn Todd uh, that they have done a full audit. I mean, a full. They have done a canvas in New Hampshire. They have not yet released those results. Uh, from what I understand, uh, Mister My Pillow himself, Mike Lindell, is. Uh, working with Marilyn Todd to get all of that information so that he could submit it to a lawsuit and they can bring New Hampshire into the official arena of election integrity. Also, ladies and gentlemen, but let's talk about what's happening here in New Hampshire now. Okay, this is from uh, the most dishonorable 
New Hampshire Public Radio. And uh, it gets into a little bit about what's going on now. This is, uh, this is from today, ladies and gentlemen. Today. I think they are getting ready for round two of election integrity fights over in New Hampshire, guys. And I am all for it. I'm very excited about this. Citing conspiracy, some New Hampshire GOP lawmakers and activists pushed for a 2020 election audit. What you mean? We already had one, son. All right. Okay. You heard that lady, right? She was like, uh, we are going to fight to the death for this. Oh, man, I would be afraid of her, ladies and gentlemen. It's not unusual to have passions flare during a debate at the state house, but this legislative session has brought defiance, anger, and mistrust, all of which were on full display Wednesday during a hearing on a bill that would relitigate the 2020 election. Wednesday's hearing offered the latest example of how the legislature is becoming a venue for conspiracy theories and tense confrontations. Don't you just love the language of the left propagandist media, right? Uh, Let's see here. Whether it's over vaccines, the voting process, or more, thanks to some Republican lawmakers who are pushing bills based off misinformation and a small but vocal group. You see, they always do that. They try and minimize and demonize those who are fighting for liberty, freedom, sovereignty, and our constitutional and our God-given rights, okay? Um, But these activists show up and amplify that cause. As introduced, House Bill 1484 directs the Speaker of the House to appoint an independent third party to conduct a forensic audit on the general election that took place on November 3rd, 2020, though it does not elaborate on what the audit would entail besides a search for anomalies and discrepancies in the results. The bill would allow members of the public to contribute to the cost of the audit that could easily run into millions of dollars. I got to pause it there, guys. I got to pause it there. Because, um, Hari Hursty, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I'm really exploring the idea about making video videos, not just doing live streaming. I would do a video on Hari Hursty and everything that this man has done. Because uh, don't forget... Don't forget, during the recall elections in California, Hari Hursty was the first to say, me, 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 me. Before they even had the uh, recall election, he was like, I need to be assigned to audit the vote in California because there could be fraud. Well, what do you think Hari Hursty was trying to get his uh, steamy little Sasquatch buns over to California? Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think his purpose was to be? His purpose was to uh, to debunk any fraud if Newsom won. Or was it to uh, assist the win from Newsom if Larry Elder won? And then Newsom won and you didn't hear squat from Hari Hursty. He just vanished back off into his magical Sasquatch realms, never to be seen again until there's another Hari Hursty sighting, right? So I don't know, but uh, if they have another audit, guys, and they do it like legit, right? Like Cyber Ninja Arizona style. Can you imagine how ruined Hari Hursty will be? Can you imagine this will be his downfall? This will be his moment of truth. This will be the things that people need to see that they don't recognize because they don't believe what, you know, uh, these uh, reports are telling them or what I share with people on the C-Report, okay? 
I'm just saying, guys, this could be the moment that we roast one Hari Hursty. If they can pull this off, guys, he will never be cited or trusted again in the field of election integrity or election audits. He'll be finished. Done. End of story. Justice is served. Take him to jail. Let's see him sit in jail for a little bit Let's so he can think about the way he's ran scams and, and frauds and con jobs on our elections probably before 2005, probably as soon as these machines were introduced into our electoral process. This man from Finland, has, this, this uh, abominable snowman, probably has been in on the fix the entire time. Justice will be served, ladies and gentlemen. Justice will be served, and I don't think it could come soon enough. Let's see what the rest of this article from the dishonorable New Hampshire Public Radio has to say. Representative Timothy Baxter of Seabrook, the bill's prime sponsor and a candidate in the Republican primary for New Hampshire's first congressional district, said he filed the legislation because a majority of this state thinks either the 2016 or the 2020 election was stolen. But polling from the University of New Hampshire, I don't even give a care what the University of New Hampshire has to say. They're going to say what? That Biden is the one who has the valid victory. But bull, that's a bunch of bull. That's a bunch of Biden diapers right there, ladies and gentlemen. Baxter has also previously said he was inspired to file the legislation after following a probe into Arizona's 2020 election results. We don't know if there is fraud in New Hampshire until we do the forensic audit. Baxter told WMUR in September, Arizona showed us this. Don't forget the canvas, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget the canvas. Election security experts have said what happened in Arizona wasn't blah, 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 blah. It wasn't really an audit. Of course, NPR is going to say something like that. Of course, NPR, who I have my taxpayer dollars put into so they can lie to me and they can uh, they can uh, 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 support those who would try and strip away my freedom, sovereignty and liberty. OK, yeah, yeah. Don't you just, don't you just love how they do that? They take our own money and they use it against us. It's disgusting. Okay, it says here, uh, it's unclear how far this push will advance, particularly since it lacks support from the state's top election official. Secretary of State David Scanlon, who has overseen elections in New Hampshire for more than two decades. He's resigning, by the way. He's resigning. He's stepping down. Uh, anyways, let me, let me continue. Uh, actually that, that's an article from like a month ago that uh, David Scanlon, you know, I wonder if this this is even the same secretary of state. I thought his name was like Bill something. It was Bill something, not David Scanlon. I don't know about this. Okay. Secretary of state, David Scanlon, who has overseen elections in New Hampshire for more than two decades. Maybe he was his deputy secretary of state. I'm going to want to dig this up right now. Said there's no credible evidence suggesting that the last election needs to be investigated. On Thursday, the House Election Law Committee voted unanimously against recommending the legislation, according to WMUR, though the bill will still come up for a vote before the full House. While Scanlon was the lone voice opposing the push for a statewide audit of the 2020 election results at Wednesday's hearing, he has said audits can be a way to build trust in the election process if done carefully. 
and is supporting a separate bipartisan bill to audit the 2022 results. He wants to audit 2022. And of course, being done carefully means that you can do it in a way that you don't show the actual theft or fraud that occurred. Isn't that right, Secretary of Snakes Scanlon? The system is not perfect, Secretary of Snakes Scanlon told lawmakers on Wednesday. There are mistakes that are made, and when they are, people are held accountable. Scanlon also emphasized that average citizens, many of them volunteers inside of town and city halls, are at the core of the state's election process, and they can be trusted. A failure at an individual level does not translate into some type of a major conspiracy or collusion to do something different with the actual election results, he said. But those who showed up to demand an audit of the 2020 election were united, not just in their mistrust, not just of the voting process, but also of state officials like Scanlon and many of the lawmakers sitting on the House Election Law Committee. It's rigged from within, Kelly Potenza of Rochester told the committee. Despite a lack of credible evidence of fraud or other anomalies in New Hampshire or elsewhere, Potenza and other speakers alleged the election was hacked, meddled with, or at a minimum, compromised. And I think we can probably leave that there. I think we can probably leave that there. Let me see if they have any concluding remarks about this that we can uh, savor while we get ready for this. Look at uh, some of these confrontations also spilled out beyond the committee room. Ooh, what confrontation? What confrontations are you talking about? Okay, let me beat beat back up the truck here real quick. <laughs> I want to see what the confrontations were. Many of the activists have become a regular presence at State House this session, using public comment periods as a chance to protest New Hampshire political establishment at large. That's what we need to be doing everywhere, guys. At this point, they know the lawmakers and the lawmakers know them. That includes Therese Grinnell, a central figure in the local anti-vaccine movement who has also taken up the mantle of election reform in recent months. Uh, Grinnell says, we have people here that do not care about voter integrity. We have no hope here in them fixing the problem in New Hampshire. They're about money and they are about politics. And we have a bootlicker list and several of you are on it. Some of these confrontations also spilled out beyond the committee room. Marilyn Todd, an activist from Nashua, trailed Scanlon into the hallways following his testimony, apparently unsatisfied with his testimony, saying the 2020 election results were sound. That is a lie, and I'm calling you out on it, and I've sent you all of the evidence. Now, she has evidence, guys. Marilyn Todd, I have it on word from a good birdie, has the evidence. She did the canvas. She did the canvas. She has, and I'll bring you guys the sauce on this as soon as I can, but she has, like... All of these affidavits from the canvas where the people, like 80% of those affidavits say that they did not even vote and somehow someone voted for them in the, in the election in 2020. Like she's got some, she's got some evidence, guys. Anyways, it says, uh, that is a lie. Oh, wait, I already read that. Uh, he responded that he hadn't seen any evidence before politely ending the conversation and walking away. Todd followed him down the hallway, continuing to make claims about voter fraud, a sign she and other activists don't plan on giving up any time soon. It's about to go down in New Hampshire. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are wanting to stay hip 
to the voter fraud and voter election integrity stories. We love to cover those here at the C Report. And uh, well, I know you guys are just as interested in it as I am. Uh, hey, the Speak Uneasy, how's it going? Thank you for joining us over there at uh, the foxhole.app. And also, uh, Mr. Nick Walls, thank you for gifting the cookies, those 100, uh, 100 gold pill cookies, sir. Much appreciated. And thank you guys for being a part of this audience tonight. It's a Friday night, so uh, you know uh, we got a lo- we got a lot of we got a lot of free market competition over there at uh, at Pilled and at uh, Foxhole. But uh, it warms my heart to know that you guys are with us. Thank you for being present at this time and at this moment. This stuff ain't fun to talk about. I try and make it fun. It's not fun to talk about, uh, but uh, it's more important than you know. Other things, in my opinion. Okay, so uh, let's move on, guys. That is New Hampshire for you all right now. I hope you guys feel caught up on New Hampshire. I hope you guys are satisfied with that story. Uh, They ain't done in New Hampshire, son. I am super excited and stoked about the direction that it's going. Because after that fraud it happened, after we witnessed that fraud it with our very own eyes back in May... I didn't know what was going to happen. The last I had heard about it is that they had had a town meeting where you had like 90 New Hampshire activists show up and they had like 200 cops show up and arrest them. That's the last that I heard from the people fighting for election integrity in New Hampshire. Crazy, right guys? Absolutely crazy. Okay, so we are going to hop, skip, and jump over to, uh, I think we're going to uh, North Carolina next. North Carolina, voter fraud ahead. Oh, I found the right logo tonight, guys, for the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Now, if you were with us yesterday, you might remember we mentioned the Public Interest Legal Foundation here at the Sea Report. They're one of those agencies. They're one of those organizations where if you are looking to support an organization, and I don't represent the Public Interest Legal Foundation by any means. I don't represent uh, Judicial Watch by any means. I don't represent project veritas by any means i don't get paid to talk about these guys or to uh to uh give them my kudos and accolades uh but what i am saying is if you're looking for organizations to support if you're looking for organizations that will do the work that will help fight for election integrity and bringing out the truth and all of the good work that these guys do public interest legal foundation is another one pilf 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 We've been singing the praises of PILF since February of 2021 here at the Sea Report because these guys are always on the ball. Well, it appears, ladies and gentlemen, in addition to the uh, story that we brought you guys last night in regards to PILF over in Arizona, they have struck again, ladies and gentlemen, they have struck again in the state of North Carolina. Now, keep in mind that the Public Interest Legal Foundation 
is a law group or an organization of lawyers and the likes that uh, work for election integrity purposes and work on cases that deal with election fraud, voter fraud, and anything that is within that realm of, uh, of litigation. So this is what they specialize on, guys. This is why they exist, okay? Now, what's going on in North Carolina that has everyone's panties in a twist? Or should I say the fraudsters' panties in a twist? Well, it appears that PILF has caused elements within the state of North Carolina to settle on a case of election fraud. Oh, so what is going on here? Now, they've, they've settled cases before. They were there in Pennsylvania. They made, uh, they made the previous Secretary of Snakes, Kathy Bookvar, settle on a case about voter rolls and the likes, and then also on, uh, on absentee ballot signature processes. And then uh, she got fired because she forgot to send a memo out to some people. Right, very convenient. Just like in Texas, it seems like Pennsylvania uses the model of acting secretaries of state. They never have a full-blown secretary of state. And uh, they just keep that door revolving so that no one catches the accountability bug. It's a scheme, guys. Pennsylvania and Texas are probably the best about it. But I'm daring to say that Texas is number one. And it's not just because I'm from Texas. I do not want to be number one in that regard, but it appears that we probably are. Let's see what this settlement agreement is all about. Okay, the long and the short of it is that uh, they have an instance here where they can prove that there was foreign interference in the North Carolina elections. Now, what kind of foreign interference? Maybe not the Hillary Clinton-style foreign interference where you have uh, Russia you know, or Hitler dialing into the machines and swaying the vote for President Trump. Not that kind of foreign interference. But where you have, oh, I don't know, it kind of reminds me about New York, right? Where you have illegals or non-United States citizens voting in elections. So this issue comes up and the Public Interest Legal Foundation, this being their, uh, being their uh, expertise, lends a hand to the plaintiff and helps them get this case settled. So let's kind of look a little bit at the meat of this case. And then uh, we'll move on, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, South Carolina. Okay, it says here, I hope you guys can read that. I'm trying to get it straightened out and enlarged just enough for you guys to get a good visual on that. So you can see I'm not just making up words here. Okay, uh, settlement agreement. We're not going to read all of this, obviously. It's, uh, it's like six pages long. Hello. Okay, so uh, let's go to the magic highlighted spots. Okay. Uh, let me just get this header here so you guys can see where we're going. Uh, the parties to the settlement agreement are the plaintiff and defendants. Uh, we don't need to read that part. That's just legal jargon. Uh, let's just start here. Uh, whereas in September and October 2018, plaintiffs sought records from the boards of elections in Durham, Forsyth, Guilford, Mecklenburg, Mecklenburg and Buncombe counties relating to voter registration and voting by non-U.S. citizens. Okay, that was the request 
The defendants agree to facilitate a response, etc. So let's skip on down. I already told you guys what this is basically about, okay? So here's what they agreed upon. Here's the important stuff. This is just the, uh, you cannot hold them accountable after this. They agree to do this and that, etc., etc., etc. The term non-citizen audit process means actions by the North Carolina State Board of Elections and its current and former representatives, agents, and employees to compare voter and election records with various government databases to identify potentially ineligible voters and irregularities due to a lack of U.S. citizenship range from unintentional violations to intentional voter fraud and elections tampering and any similar activities relating to non-citizens. The term list maintenance activities means actions taken to ensure the accuracy and currency of voter registration records and or eligible voter lists regardless of whether the action is required by law. Production of records. Non-citizen audit process. Defendants shall provide to the plaintiff records relating to the defendant's non-citizen audit process using the following search protocols. Defendants shall perform a search of electronically stored information using its e-discovery search platform covering a date range from 1-1-2011 until this date this settlement agreement is executed, including the following custodians. Gary Bartlett, Don Wright, Kim Strzok, Mark Burris, Brian Neesby, George McHugh, Brian Levecci, Josh Lawson, Veronica DeGraffenreid, Kelly Tornow, and Caitlin Love. Now, I didn't necessarily need to read that list of names to you guys, but you guys know why I did. Do I got any savvy people in my audience tonight? Can any of you guys tell me the name of one of these people that we have seen before many, many times in the, the, the most recent of months in regards to election fraud? Does anyone know, anyone know who I'm talking about here? Can anyone pick out that name? Can anyone pick out that name? Okay, why is it that this person is being involved in an election fraud lawsuit in North Carolina, okay? Because she did such good work, apparently, that she got, uh, she, got, uh, she got placed in the Pennsylvania government as acting Secretary of State Veronica DeGraffenreid. Ladies and gentlemen, her name is here listed in this uh, settlement agreement. Veronica DeGraffenreid. The current and former acting secretary of snakes of the Commonwealth in Pennsylvania. I mean, I guess if they have a pattern, I guess if this is uh, something that they do on the regular, I guess that's why she was selected as the acting secretary of snake there in Pennsylvania. Veronica DeRaffenreid, that's her right there. North Carolina settlement, baby. Now, she, uh, she's no longer going to be the acting Secretary of State. She got promoted to work within Governor Wolf's camp cabinet. But that was also to help her escape accountability. I have no doubt, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue with the rest of this uh, real quick. Defendants shall perform a search of electronically stored information using its e-discovery search platform covering a date range from 1-1-2011 until the date the settlement agreement is executed. 
let's see. List maintenance activities. Defendants shall instruct the five counties to search for and produce electronically and physically stored records dated from 2011 to the date the settlement is executed relating to non-citizen audit processes and list maintenance activities relating to non-citizens. And this is everything that they have to produce. We're not going to go through that. I think we're good on this. It talks about attorney's fees, uh, the release date of this settlement agreement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is really good, guys. Now, the reason why this is really good, and I know this is a lot of legal, legal jumbo jargon, mumbo jumbo, right? But the reason why this is good is because they had a single case, okay? They had a single case in North Carolina, all right? And because of that case, well, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, North Carolina Election uh, Board Committee is going to have to do a deep dive to prove that nobody who is a non-citizen between 2011 and the time of this agreement being executed, that none of them, none of them, none of them non-U.S. citizens voted. Okay, so they're going to have to actually do a deep dive. Now, records that show foreigners registered to vote and actually voted in North Carolina elections will be disclosed by the state's board of elections as a result of this um, of this settlement. And uh, let's see here. Uh, the Epoch Times says the January 31st announcement that a settlement has been reached came weeks after Garbant Piquant of Garner. That's the name of the illegal or of the non-citizen who voted. Garbant Piquant of Garner. Sounds like a guy I did it named Brett Bonnie from Bernie. Anyways, uh, of Garner, North Carolina, was arrested and charged with falsely claiming to be a U.S. citizen in order to register vote voting by an alien and passport fraud. Authorities say that the Bahamas native who is not a U.S. citizen voted in every primary and every general election from 2018 through 2020. And that's where this, um, that's where this uh, a settlement agreement came from. Very, very interesting, guys. Now, uh, definitely a win for election integrity because now, as I said, the North Carolina Board of Elections Committee has to produce evidence. They have to go back into their files and show that uh, this was not the case in multiple instances, that this this only happened once. So they're going to have to do their homework on this. Let's uh, catch up with what the Epoch Times had to say about this story real quick. Appreciate it as always, guys. Now, uh, we only got a couple of more stories to cover tonight. Uh, obviously, we're hitting about 9.30ish Central Time here. So uh, give us till about 10. I think we'll go into about 30 minutes overtime tonight. Maybe a little bit more, but not too much longer than that, guys. I won't hold you guys all night long. Besides, I think we're still having an episode of Mr. C in the Dark tonight, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Let's see what we got, guys. North Carolina agrees to release records showing foreigners voted. So not just this Garbant, Gar- Piquant of Garner, North Carolina, but all records. They got to do a deep dive because they must up, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what that was all about, just so you guys can get the inside scoop. It says here, according to the Public Interest Legal Foundation, PILF, 
which brought the lawsuit to federal court in North Carolina. The settlement is a victory for transparency in elections. The National Voter Registration Act provides that election officials must allow inspection of all records related to the maintenance of the voter rolls. The elections board agreed to settle the case after a federal appeals court determined that the disclosure provision of NVRA requires states to make available for public inspection all records concerning the implementation of programs and activities conducted for the purpose of ensuring the accuracy and currency of official lists of eligible voters. This is a huge win for transparency in North Carolina's election, PILF's President J. Christian Adams said in a statement provided to the Epoch Times. The public has a right to know about election vulnerabilities. These records conclusively show that foreigners have been registering to vote and voting in North Carolina elections. It is a shame our efforts to disclose these records were met with such resistance by election officials. Real foreign interference in American elections happens when foreigners cast ballots. This victory demonstrates that changes to national voter registration policies are needed to prevent this form this from happening, he stated. Along the way to the settlement, the foundation's legal complaint was dismissed by a U.S. district court. PILF appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, which ruled in favor of the group on May 10th, 2021, and reinstated the law, remanding the case to the district court for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. Might I just stop right there, ladies and gentlemen, and say, you see that? You see that? This is the long game. This is the game that they want to play, Okay. You know that they're just trying to hold out to get past that 22-month deadline or marker or the 22-month delta for the deep state, right? Where they can just, oh, we don't got to hang on to this election data anymore. We're in the clear, guys. But they appealed this in May of 2021, and it was, it was appealed in their favor, okay? We're in February 2022, and this is just coming to pass. Just, and they haven't even gotten into digging into all of the data. They haven't even give them, given them uh, what is due to them per the settlement agreement. Uh, I'm just as just an example of the long game. I know you guys know. I know you guys understand it. But that's why this has been a test of our patience, our integrity, and our faith more so than anything, uh, for our endurance and our willing to keep on fight and to keep on towing the line. That's why we got to get ready. Bring your snacks, ladies and gentlemen, and don't forget to get your rest. Okay, getting back to this article. It talks about the lower court that uh, tried to dismiss this. It says, uh, Federal Circuit Judge Barbara Milano Keenan, who was appointed by then-President Barrick Barry Sotero Obama, wrote in her court opinion that the district court had erred in tossing the lawsuit for failing to state a valid claim under the NVRA. Given what she called the sensitive nature of the information sought and the potential for abuse, an apparent reference to information about innocent U.S. citizens that could be abused. The lower court was wrong to dismiss the case at an early stage in the litigation before discovery had been conducted, Keenan wrote. 
The Indianapolis-based foundation characterizes itself as the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated wholly to election integrity, saying that it exists to assist states and others to aid the cause of election integrity and fight against lawlessness in American elections. PILF, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, boasts that it has been uncovering government records showing foreigners voting across the United States, including in Pennsylvania, Texas, New Jersey, and California. The group is currently suing in Pennsylvania to secure records involving a multi-decade failure to prevent aliens from registering and voting there. Patrick Gannon, public information director for the North Carolina Board of Elections, offered the board's perspective on the settlement, which it had unanimously voted to accept on January 20th. The settlement requires the board to give PILF records concerning audit processes and list maintenance activities related to non-U.S. citizens in exchange for a complete dismissal of the lawsuit, Gannon said in a statement responding to an inquiry from the Epoch Times. It's important that the settlement states that the board may redact all information that would allow PILF to personally identify any individual registrant who is being reviewed for potential improper registration, including names, dates of birth, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, phone numbers, email addresses, street addresses, signatures, and identifying numbers used for registration and voting purposes, Gannon wrote. PILF sought to obtain this personal information in the litigation, he added. The board's goal all along was protecting the privacy of individuals who are only suspected of improper registration, Gannon wrote, adding that the most of those individuals were found to be properly registered citizens. But both a federal district court and the Fourth Circuit Court rejected PILF's argument that it should obtain such personal information, he said, providing a link to the circuit court opinion written by Keenan. The elections board will provide the records, but will redact all personally identifying information as well as pay PILF $5,000. It couldn't release the records previously because at the time, a federal judge had ordered it not to do so, Gannon wrote. The settlement agreement explicitly disclaims that the state board violated any laws. So they're going to get out scot-free. And you know what? While I do feel justice should be served, I mean, we're getting a win here for election integrity in North Carolina. And uh, redemption, making a deal, just being able to ensure that things are being done right. Sometimes that is, uh, that's the ticket there. Ladies and gentlemen, so uh, uh, all in all, I think a very good day in North Carolina and a story well worth reporting to you all, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's go over to South Carolina. This one is a brief one on South Carolina. Some good news coming out of the state. Um well, actually, I mean, I would say it's good news, but I guess at this point in time, that good news, ladies and gentlemen, is probably uh, still uh, still up for still up for a debate, because uh, what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is we have a canvas of the South Carolina region of the 2020 general election, and we don't have all the details just yet. Those details are forthcoming, but uh, did anyone expect South Carolina to uh, hop on the bandwagon? Now, 
we had a win for election integrity in North Carolina, granted. But this is about the 2020 presidential election fraud, ladies and gentlemen. This is they jumping on the bandwagon, okay? And I'm all for it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a South Carolina elections integrity group called South Carolina Safe Elections Group. They are nonpartisan. They are a group of volunteers. And they put together approximately 75 citizens from across eight South Carolina counties to uh, perform a canvas of those counties versus the results and the voter rolls that were used and identified in the 2020 general election, okay? Now, uh, this canvas uh, apparently is going to be announced. They're going to disclose the information from this canvas, guys. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. But this Saturday, tomorrow... They will be having a press conference where they release the results of this election audit. So very exciting, ladies and gentlemen, to see what they are going to share with us. Now, we have the leader of the uh, South Carolina Safe Elections Group. Uh, her name is Laura Shar, And uh, that is the little uh, monogram there for this voter integrity group working out of South Carolina, South Carolina Safe Elections Voter Integrity Group. Uh, Laura Shar is the name of the woman whom is, uh, whom is uh, in charge of this group. And she says, even though South Carolina is a red state and went for Donald Trump in the 2020 election, our canvassing efforts found bombshell evidence of phantom voters, deceased voters, ineligible voters, lost votes, cross-state votes, and many other anomalies within the 2020 election. She says, our goal with this event is to inform the public and our lawmakers of the issues we uncovered and to request specific steps that will improve the accuracy of our elections. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what's up, Carolina! I am so excited. Hey, Curious Cat, what's up? Curious Cat says, uh, Seth Keschel says, Bigly huge information coming tomorrow in South Carolina. Indeed, Mr. Curious Cat Indeed, Mr. Seth Keschel, that's what we're talking about right now, ladies and gentlemen. That is exactly what we're talking about right now. So I don't know. I'm debating if we're going to go live for this. And, and probably we should only because, uh, well, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't go live on it, we might end up like in uh, Pennsylvania when we had that uh, rowdy showdown. Uh, between, uh, between, uh, who was it? The, the five judge panel <laughs> and, uh, the Democrat, uh, lawyers who are trying to, uh, fend off election integrity in their state. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should go live. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. If it's bigly huge, curious cat, we might have to go live. I don't doubt it's going to be, you just saw that laundry list of what this woman was talking about now, uh, 
This is the website for South Carolina Safe Elections Group. Just wanted to kind of introduce us to them because I don't know or did not know much about them. What, I mean, obviously, they're about election integrity and fighting the big lie. That, of course, being from the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, mockingbird, propaganda media. Restore confidence in South Carolina elections live broadcast. So that's going to be tomorrow. Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we must have confidence that our elections are legal and accurate. Ah, absolutely. Now, actually, there are some things in here I did want to show you all. If we go to their little news tab here, we'll uh, skip over this interview, skip over the Gateway Pundits. Uh, let's see here. Was it the big reveal? No, 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 no. That's not, that's not that one. Check this out, guys. Okay, the machines are flawed. So this is an article they have on their website. The machines are flawed. I'll expand that a little bit more for you guys. It says, uh, if the vice president of sales for a voting machine company admitted on camera a fatal flaw in the machines that makes them susceptible to fraud before the county voted to spend millions of dollars to spend on new machines... Don't you think the public should be aware of that video of him admitting the flaw in the machines? Don't you think the news should cover that? The answer is yes. Yes. That answer is always yes. So they have the video. So we're going to look at the video. Because I think it'll be fun. Check this out, guys. And this is probably only one of their smoking evidence things right here. Let's see it. We got our volume up. This machine won't recognize that the ballot's already been fed. This at the polling place. This one, it, I can feed no, it again. Yes, you could feed it again. That, okay. That's exactly right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that's a, that's a concern. And court note that because that'll be a concern for us. Can the judge have a key to that box? Yes, they do. Can't they unlock it at lunchtime and take him out and feed him in again? Your comments, they, they, your, your they, comments are well taken. They could, but but again, that the the the, the public count needs to match the poll the, the number of people that have registered. When okay. I do, when I do audits after election, I always have more votes than voters. Oh yeah. really? Yes. Yeah. If the vice president of sales for a voting machine company admitted on camera a fatal flaw in the machines that makes them susceptible to fraud before the county voted to spend millions of dollars to spend on new machines, don't you think the public should be aware of that video of him admitting the flaw in the machines? Don't you think the news should cover that? This is what I talk about when I say I was muzzled from covering important stories. This is one of Okay, so the video cuts them off. Isn't that crazy? Is that not crazy? Oh, I always seem to have more votes than voters every time we have an election with these machines. That is some crazy stuff right there, guys. That is some crazy stuff. So, yeah. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get this off the screen. Oh, we get off the screen. So that was one of the stories I just wanted to share with you guys from uh, this group here. And then, of course, uh, they got some more information. There's the update from the Gateway Pundit. The big reveal, they're talking about what they're going to talk about tomorrow. Now, this is going to be uh, tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern Time to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So they must have a mouthful. 
Um, all the South Carolina, uh, South Carolina legislators are invited, as well as Governor McMaster, the South Carolina Election Commission, and the Republican Democrat, uh, the Republican and Democrat chairman. Oh, let's see who else. They invited everyone. The Attorney General. How many of those people do you think are actually going to show up? Probably just the citizens who are concerned about it, I bet you, and uh, maybe some uh, members of the press. The event is not open to the public. Oh, okay. Good to know. Only invitees, press volunteers, and their family and friends are attending. Please call your legislator today and encourage him or her to attend. This is must-see TV. Well, now we have to go live, ladies and gentlemen. So that would put us at about, what, noon tomorrow. Noon tomorrow. One, one Eastern is 12 Central. Okay. Uh, so that's going to be, uh, that's going to be live tomorrow. I'm guessing we're going to do a watch party here. Kind of feels like it right now. Uh, if you are in the South Carolina area, it's at Segra Park Club Lounge in Columbia, South Carolina. That's going to be a very interesting event, ladies and gentlemen. What a shindig, what a shindig, ladies and gentlemen. All right, now we're going to get to our last story for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I know you guys have been waiting for this one. It's time to talk about Texas Forensic Sham Audit, or the Texas Sham Forensic Audit, or the Texas Forensic Fraudit, or the Continued Bamboozle of Texas Citizens... From the jump. Um, this is a story I've been following for a bit, guys. Of course, as I am home based here in Texas. Uh, and it's about time. I know you guys have been missing the Lone Star News. I've received a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, of uh, contact about that. When is Lone Star News coming back? Lone Star News is coming back. I promise. It'll be back on the air before long. I, got, I'll, I will get that going again. But we have this South Carolina election integrity issue that's going on tomorrow from uh, 12 to 4, apparently. So, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, we will get to, don't you guys worry, we have not forgotten about the backyard here. We have not forgotten about the backyard. Otherwise, what the heck am I doing, right? Well, that's why we're going to share with you guys this information on the Texas forensic audit that is supposedly happening in this state. That's supposedly the biggest, widest, most comprehensive, most best done ever gold standard of election audits in the country. Okay, come on, Rhino Abbott, come on. How are you going to try and throw your clout around when you have Arizona that not only beat you to the punch, but they are doing, they did way more of an in-depth and thorough audit than what they are offering here in the state of Texas. This is just a bunch of bull, Rhino Abbott. And uh, I would have to say, I would have to say that they are just putting on airs of having the biggest and best audit in the state in the country to appease the uh, fence sitters, to appease the rhinos, to appease the, uh, the uh, fair weather conservatives here in the state of Texas into believing that they're actually doing something that would be worth the time and worth the energy of actually discovering what goes on in an election in our state of Texas. It is a bunch of bull. 
it is a bunch of bull when we get down to, but you don't got to take my word for it. Let's look at the data. Okay. All right. So let's move on, guys. Let's see. Okay. First of all, this, uh, this, this uh, evil looking uh, Bane <laughs> character. This is John Scott. This is the brand spanking new Secretary of State under Abbott. I might add, this is the fifth Secretary of State. The fifth, number five, the fifth Secretary of State working under Rhino Abbott, okay? Now, for some reason in the state of Texas, ladies and gentlemen, and I would recommend that you look this up in your own state to see if they're running the same scheme, but for some reason in the state of Texas, it seems that the Secretary of State just cannot seem to fulfill their entire term as a Secretary of State. Now, Secretaries of State, their term length is the, uh, the, the length of their term is the same as that of the governor. Meaning you get a governor, you get a Secretary of State, they both should serve four years in a term and then it's re-election time or, you know, then it's, you know, it's a reconsideration time. Maybe you want to get a brand new secretary of state. Now, traditionally, you would think that if you have a secretary of state that works well with that governor, that they'll stay on for as long as that governor is on, that they will stay in that position and that even the governor would want them to stay in that position. Don't you think, guys, doesn't that make kind of sense? If you were a governor and you had a secretary of state that you worked well with, and that did a good job, and that, you know, just to keep, keep the fluidity, to keep the flow, to keep the, uh, the structure of your administration in your governing house working, that you would want to work with that same person, okay? So that, that is the parameters for a secretary of state, at least in Texas. Well, it seems that in Texas, we have an epidemic of secretaries of state that just can't seem to make it four years. In fact, these guys make it only about a year to two years before they throw in the towel, before they resign, before something happens that they can no longer serve. I call foul, ladies and gentlemen. I call foul hard here, okay? It is my opinion that they have used this broken office of Secretary of State to bamboozle and to scheme on the people of Texas. And that's why I recommend that you, ladies and gentlemen, figure out what is going on in your local, in your state, and what's going on with your Secretary of State office, okay? Because we've had 80... Yeah, it was a no, 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 no. I take it back. 48, 48 governors, 48 governors in Texas history, guys. 48. In fact, let me let me pop that number in again. And let me let me make sure I'm giving you guys the accurate info. And I know I am. Okay, but you're, you guys are going to fall off your chair. Okay, <laughs> you guys are going to fall off your chair. Governors, 1846 to present, okay? How many governors have we had since then? Oh, that number's countable. Hmm, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 
41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 46 governors. Okay, we've had 46 governors since 1846 in the state of Texas. Okay, look, I can show you the list I was reading off right here. Look, 84, 1846. I'm not making this up, okay? That's why I was like, I dared to count because this was a countable number, okay? <laughs> I dared to count. So we've had 46 governors in Texas history, guys. And we have an office known as the Secretary of State that has the same parameters as a governor in regards to length of term. Do you guys know how many secretaries of state we have had in the state of Texas? It's not a number I would count, guys. We've had 113 secretaries of state in the state of Texas. This office is not only broken, but they are using this office to run a scheme on the people of Texas. And I will say it thrice. Look into your secretaries of state office, just like Pennsylvania. It's just like Pennsylvania, okay? The Commonwealth where they seem to have nothing but acting secretaries of state. They can't seem to get a single secretary of state to last the length of a governor's term. And this guy on the screen, Darth Bane John Scott, is the fifth secretary of state to work under Rhino Abbott. There is a conspiracy here, ladies and gentlemen, and they are using the secretaries of state office to bamboozle the people of Texas. I'm telling you guys now, right now, I feel it in my bones. There's no reason why we've had more than double the amount of governors in this state when we talk about the office of the secretaries of state. So here's John Scott. This is magic number five, the fifth secretary of state underneath Rhino Abbott. Okay. But let's take a look at this little good old boy right here. This little good old boy right here, Pudgy Pudgy Powler. His name is Deputy Secretary of State Jose Esparza. Joe Esparza, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this is the guy. This is the guy who pulls the strings here in the state of Texas. This is the guy who fills in that interim period where there are no secretaries of state in Texas. This is the guy who does the paperwork. This is the guy who makes state election. This guy's been here since Abbott started. Yeah, now the light becomes a little bit clearer, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Here's the ringer. Here's the man. This man who is listed to be affiliated with the National Association of Secretaries of State who runs around in hobnobs with people like Katie Hobbs of Arizona and Bradford Raffensperger of Georgia and Jocelyn Benson of Michigan and Jenna Griswold of Colorado. This is the man who is pulling the con in the office of the Secretaries of the State. And he's probably the one doing the real work, okay? Now, why do I say that? Because we are having a full forensic audit, supposedly, here in the state of Texas. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? President Trump called out uh, Rhino Abbott, okay? And he said, hey, Rhino Abbott, I'm calling in a favor, buddy. I want the state of Texas to do a full forensic audit. And in like 48 hours turnaround time, all of a sudden, we had the entire full forensic audit schedule, guidelines, and parameters set up and ready to display. Okay, here's what that is. In case you guys forgot, 
This is the outline of the Texas Secretary of State full forensic audit of the 2020 general election. Now, do you guys know when they wrote this up? This was written up in October. Okay, now exit little Joe Esparza, Deputy Secretary of State, enter Fifth Secretary of State, John Scott, and John Scott says, under my full forensic audit, we will prove that Texas is one of the most secure, if not the most secure, election uh, states here in this nation. Well, guess what, John Scott? You did not write this up, okay? John Scott, you were not even hand-selected by Abbott when this hit the table. Little pudgy pallor boy, uh, Deputy Secretary of State, Jose Esparza, he's the one that wrote this up. And John Scott's going to try and take, uh, he's going to try and take credit for it. You know what, John Scott, you might not want to take credit for this one because it's going to come down and around you, boy. Now, let's, okay, now there are two phases of the Texas full forensic audit. Okay, two phases. We're going to look at phase number one because they completed phase number one just after the new year, ladies and gentlemen. They completed phase number one. Now, here's the bull, okay? Phase number one was either completed or underway at the time that President Trump asked for a full forensic audit of the state of Texas. It was already it was already done, basically. So uh, what all are they exactly looking at now to refresh people's memories about this? We have uh, we have the counties of Dallas, Harris, Tarrant and Collin. Okay, the four most populous counties in this state who are going to have this audit performed on. Oh, God, it gets it gets ridiculous, guys. Okay, let's look at what they're looking at. This is what they're looking at in this audit. For those of you who uh, do not recall, phase one is the testing of the voting machine accuracy, the cybersecurity assessment, and the identification and removal of ineligible voters who cast ballots in 2020. Already completed or underway. Okay, so that's what we're looking at. We're not going to read through the fine print and the, the legislations. I will point out the Electronic Registration Information Center. We would get into them tonight, guys, but I'm not going to keep you that far into overtime. We're almost done here. Okay, so uh, that is that. That's what we're looking at right here. That's phase one of this audit. Now, as I said, they completed this just uh, after the new year. And this is the extent of what you will find. This article right here from the dishonorable mention known as the Texas Tribune, a full-on progressive leftist piece of crap here in the state of Texas. This is what you'll read. You go to, you, you search for Texas uh, forensic audit and you will find nothing but articles that mirror this article, guys. You will hear nothing but news reports that mirror this news report. You will hear nothing but from the politicians of this state, the rhinos and the communists that tell you exactly this. First part of Texas 2020 election audit reveals few issues. It echoes findings from review processes 
already in place. Oh, really? Oh, really, Texas Tribune? I'm about to bust your bubble. Okay, so uh, let's just a brief overview. An initial review of four counties' election results launched after pressure from President Donald Trump and touted by GOP leaders showed few discrepancies between electronic and hand counts of ballots in a sample of voting precincts. The Texas Secretary of State's office has released the first batch of results from its review into the 2020 general election, finding few issues despite repeated unsubstantiated claims by GOP leaders casting doubts on the integrity of the electoral system. The first phase of the review released New Year's Eve highlighted election data from four counties, Harris, Dallas, Tarrant, and Collin, that showed few discrepancies between electronic and hand counts of ballots in a sample of voting precincts. Okay, we get the gist. We get the idea. Okay, this is the propaganda bullshit lies. I apologize for my language, guys, but this is, this is what they're facing in Texas, guys. This is the bamboozlement we're facing, guys. This is how they keep on conning us, and they're using the office of the Secretary of State to do it, okay? They're using the office of the Secretary of State to do it, okay? All right, let me pull that off the screen real quick. Uh, What do I got for you guys next? Okay, now let's have a little bit of truth, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a little bit of truth. Uh, This article comes from, uh, let's see here, Conservative World News Report, if I'm not mistaken. The Conservative World News. U.S. Politics and News, ladies and gentlemen. They had a different view on what was found in the Texas forensic audit. And we're not just going to look at articles. I got the report here. We're going to look at that next and we're going to call it a night, ladies and gentlemen. Now, check this out, guys. Check this out. Let me go ahead and get this in uh, something that's a little bit easier on the eyes there. There we go. The Texas 2020 preliminary audit results are jaw-dropping. Huh. I wonder why they would think that. Let's see. It says the Texas Secretary of State is conducting an audit of the 2020 results. We know all this. We know phase one. We know when it's happening. We know where it's happening. So we'll skip that. Okay, so uh, again, guys, don't forget, Trump won Texas, but why is this important? 81 million vote-getter Joe Biden outpaced Crooked Hillary's 2016 popular vote total by about 16 million votes. They, being the deep state, they, being the elitist, globalist, uh, transhumanist hacks, they could not just dump 16 million votes into one state like Pennsylvania. Everyone would have noticed. Instead, the dirty cheaters seeded extra votes into all 50 states. All 50 states had fraud. I've been saying it since election night in 2020. The results in every state looked off to me. Plus, there were too many mathematical impossibilities in the 2020 election that all seemed to run in one direction. This is why Texas and every other state should audit its results. Before we look at the preliminary audit results, let's take a look at the results of several previous elections in Texas and compare them to 2020. In 2008, John McCain beat Barack Obama in Texas by about 950,000 votes with a total of 8.3 million Texans voting. In 2012, 
Mitt Romney beat Obama in Texas by about 1.2 million votes, with a total of 7.8 million votes cast. Note the drift between those two elections. Romney's margins of victory were bigger or was bigger than McCain's in the previous election, despite 500,000 fewer voters turning out. In 2016, Donald Trump defeated crooked Hillary in Texas by 807,000 votes, with a total of 8.4 million votes cast. And now, Donald Trump defeats Joe Biden in Texas by 631,000 votes, with a total of 11.9 million votes cast. You think that many sleeping Democrats showed up in Texas to vote or what? Three million votes more and uh, Trump uh, beats uh, Trump beats Biden by less than a million. I mean, less than, yeah, less than a hundred million. Sorry, you guys know what I'm saying. A million. I got it. Okay. Trump's support in Texas grew by about 1.2 million votes between 2016 and 2020. This is not surprising due to the fact that Donald Trump is the single most popular president in American history. His America First agenda bettered the lives of countless millions of Americans, and he was clearly headed toward a landslide in 2020. So how did Donald Trump only manage to defeat Joe Biden by 600,000 votes in Texas? How did Joe Biden nearly double his support in Texas in 2020 compared to the 2012 election, which, by the way, Joe Biden was also in as Obama's vice president. Donald Trump's support in Texas grew by 1.2 million votes between 2016 and 2020, but the basement campaigner somehow grew his support in Texas by 1.4 million votes? This is what I mean when I say the results in all 50 states look off. Something is fishy. And the Texas Secretary of State is now confirming this. The phase one audit results that were released on New Year's Eve revealed the following. Texas had 700,000 ineligible voters uh, registrations in the 2020 election. Most of those ineligible registrations were in four counties, Collin County, Dallas County, Harris County, and Tarrant County. 700,000 ineligible voter registrations in 2020. The Secretary of State found 11,737 illegal aliens on the Texas voter rolls so far. This is not a state like California that makes it easy for illegal aliens to register and cast ballots in presidential elections, and yet nearly 12,000 slipped through the cracks and managed to vote in 2020. They also found 449,362 duplicate voter registrations. People registered to vote in two different locations in Texas. Since the 2020 election, the Texas Secretary of State has identified 224,585 dead voters who were registered in November of 2020. They're in the process of removing them from the voter rolls right now. Joe Biden gained 1.4 million more votes in 2020 than Hillary Clinton achieved in Texas in 2016. Do the math. 700,000 ineligible registrations plus 11,737 illegal aliens plus 
449,000 duplicate registrations plus 224,000 dead voters equals 1.38 million votes. There's your number, guys, in just those four counties. Okay? This is why we need to audit the we need audits of the 2020 elections to take place in all 50 states hopefully after texas completes its audit some of the other republican legislatures will finally get off their rear ends and do their constitutional due but that's not going to happen guys unless we sound the alarms now let me tell you why because if because like i this is the only article this was the only article that addressed these issues of all of the articles I scanned for, this was the only article that was real about what happened in this election audit, okay? Everyone else is saying, like I said, like I read in that other article, all of these measures, there's nothing wrong here, nothing to see, it's already being handled, etc., etc., bull. But more importantly, John Scott, uh, the, uh, the lawyer who uh, was on Trump's lawyer team, during the hearings in December of 2020 and then backed out when they lost and when it looked like they were losing, right? He does not quite paint that picture, okay? Let's take a look at his report, ladies and gentlemen. Since he wants to die on this hill, we're going to help him get there, okay? May justice be served. I am so upset. Okay, phase one of the progress report. Full forensic audit of November 2020 general election dated December 31st, 2021, released on New Year's Eve. Okay, we don't need to get into all the fine. We already know it's going on in Dallas, Collin, Tarrant, and Harris counties. Okay, now, uh, the below progress report on phase one of the full forensic audit outlines the SOS's findings within four categories. Check this out. Completion of statutorily required partial manual count of electronic voting system ballots. Now, you guys know that I was already complaining about this because they're only doing a partial manual count of the electronic ballot images. And what did we learn from Arizona? In most cases, all you have to do is the minimum. And in most cases across the board, the minimum of ballots that you need to actually review in the electronic voting system of ballots is 2%. 2%. Okay. What kind of accuracy are you going to capture from a 2% sample of your total electronic voting ballots? This is not a full, thorough forensic audit the likes this country has never seen, Governor Rhino Abbott. That is not what this is, period. Okay, let's continue. All right, uh, let's see here. Completion of statutory required EAC, uh, sorry, ESA, um, that's election security assessments, uh, maintaining the accuracy of statewide voter registration databases and identifying potential non-U.S. citizens who are registered to vote in Texas and who cast a ballot in November 2020 elections. Okay, let's move on. Now, the partial manual count of the electronic voting system of ballots. Now, uh, this here just talks about how once the elections are over, counties have 72 hours after the polls closing to get this part done. Okay, now, to be used in Texas elections, voting systems must be certified by the U.S. Election Assistance Commission and certified by the state of Texas through an, an examination by the Secretary of State and the Office of the Texas Attorney General. Counties are required to conduct a manual count of 
in at least 1%, not even 2%, 1% of the election precincts or in three precincts, which is whichever is greater, in which an electronic voting system was used in the general election. Okay, so they are required to conduct a manual count, okay, for 1%, whatever's greater. Now it says the SOS is responsible for choosing the race. The SOS is responsible for choosing the race and the precincts used to conduct this partial manual count in the general election. Ladies and gentlemen, our Secretary of State, John Scott, decided that for the November 2020 election, he was going to audit the office of the Texas Railroad Commissioner. That was the chosen race to audit. And that was chosen as the race for which counties conducted their respective partial manual counts. What kind of flabbergasted, bamboozled bullshit is that? Okay, we're going to do an audit of this. And this is a full forensic thorough, the best you've ever seen. It's gold. It's gold. Yeah, we're Texas. We do things here bigger and better. I don't think so. Okay, big at bamboozling, big at lying to the people of Texas, big at defrauding the people of Texas. We have a 2020 presidential election where we want to know about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. But our SOS is going to choose one of the most menial down-ballot races to audit, the Texas Railroad Commissioner, who most likely did not even have, who most likely ran unopposed. What the heck? I mean, does this not make one's blood boil? It's making my blood boil. Okay. All right. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm getting a little dramatic here. Okay. All right. Uh, what do we got highlight next? None of the four counties reported any discrepancies in election day ballots counted electronically versus those counted by hand. Oh, let's not forget. It was only, what, 1% count? It was, uh, it was uh, an inspection of the Texas Railroad Commissioner's race. Could you make it any easier for yourself, SOS John Scott? Could you make it any easier, okay? This is just a total... Sham, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, it goes into some numbers here about this partial manual count. They found a total discrepancy of 17 ballots when we're talking about what? Mail ballot electronic counts versus mail ballot hand counts versus early voting in person electronic counts versus early voting in person hand counts versus election day electronic counts versus election day hand counts. Okay. But uh, if you have illegals and dead people and double uh, registrations, that count is not going to matter, guys. I think the real question here is the canvas, ladies and gentlemen. That's the question. And there was not a canvas in this election. Okay, audit. Let's move on. Okay, uh, this is Dallas County. Okay, this is the same thing. This is the manual counts for the four individual counties. So we'll skip over that. It's just Tarrant County, Harris County, Collin County, etc. Election security assessments. Um, okay, so this is where they're actually uh, checking out the machines. Uh, in 2018, the EAC released uh, $23 million in Help America Vote Act, the HAVA funds. Uh, to strengthen the security of Texas election infrastructure, okay? We all know that that was something that was played more on the federal level. If we're talking about uh, CISA 
And if we're talking about uh, all of the little like um, uh, shell agencies that they set up to get this thing going, whom I might add, Speaker Robin Voss, the rhino from Wisconsin, had a hand in on a, na- a national level. Let's not forget about that guy. So basically, they're saying everything is checked out here. Okay, so we're not even going to bother with that. We're not going to bother with their inspection of the uh, of the election equipment. Okay, because uh, we have that's another that's another road, another battle to take in regards to this audit. Okay, accuracy of statewide voter registration lists. Okay. So it talks about Texas Code and the National Voter Registration Act, etc. Talks about the Texas Election Code. Let's move on, move on, move on. Let's see. Please note that the removal of ineligible and/or deceased voters from the statewide voter registration list in list in and of itself does not indicate that any legal votes were cast. You see that, guys? Please note that the removal of ineligible or deceased voters from the statewide voter registration list does not indicate illegal votes were cast. So they're already they're already conditioning, they're already getting the public and everyone who reads this ready to note that just because we're removing X amount of people from the voter registration rolls does not mean that illegal votes were cast. I wonder if we have a canvas, if that will show otherwise, okay? These maintenance activities are prescribed by state law to ensure integrity and accuracy, yada, yada, yada. So this way, any left-leaning propaganda shill organization of a press company can read that and say, oh, well, everything is fine here. Nothing to report on other than the fact that uh, you got a bunch of paranoid loons who voted for Donald Trump in the state of Texas. Let's look at this. Ineligibility due to death. To meet this requirement, the SOS implemented a comparative analysis of statewide systems to records provided by the local registrars of death, clerks of the court, the Bureau of Vital Statistics, and the Electronic Registration Information Center. Now, we have not done a deep dive into ERIC, the Electronic Registration Information Center. That is a nationwide database of voter registration information. Okay, I wanted to include that in tonight's report, but we're already into overtime. So we will talk about Eric probably on our next show, guys. And that's the ticket right there. When we're talking about the amount of phantom voters and the amount of fraud, 1.38 million votes coming out of nowhere, it's Eric. It's that very system the Electronic Registration Information Center, funded by George Soros. That's the way they did it. That's the way they did it. Okay. We are not going to talk about it tonight, but we'll talk about it soon. Okay. Now, getting along with this, it says, now here's the, here's the kicker, guys. Here's the kicker. Okay. This is where I know, this is what, this is the fine print. This is the part of the report that all of the liberal magazines and news agencies are not reading. And they're not expecting anyone to kind of, uh, catch this. Okay. Because they're going to give us their charts and their tables that show their work supposedly. And, uh, that we're going to be like, oh, okay, well, it only shows like five people who died were on the list. No, 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 no. That is not the case. You guys saw that other uh, publication, that magazine that we read, the, the, the article that showed 1.38 million votes that should not have been there. This is what they read, okay? Because this is what I surmised by reading it. So it says here, it says here, 
just to give you guys a little bit of heads, it says, uh, it says based on the matching criteria outlined in uh, Texas Elections Commission, etc., and the Secretary of State's administrative roles, records that are strong matched with above identified sources are canceled by the state system. Strong matches are those whose last names, date of birth, and full social security numbers are an exact match. Records that are considered weak matches, on the other hand, require additional review process to be conducted by, conducted by each individual county. Now, check this out. Since November of 2020, since November of 2020, 190,227 strong matched records have been canceled by the state and 67,551 weak matches were provided to county voter registrars statewide for further review. Overall, since November, that's the key date right there, November, that's what we want to focus on, guys. November of 2020, a review of the voter registration system indicates that 257,778 potential deceased voters were identified through the statewide voter registration system, resulting in the identification and and cancellation of 224,585 voter registrants for deceased votes. They discovered this and they deleted the information after the election, guys, which means all of those hundreds of thousands of deceased strong matches, all of those hundreds of thousands of duplicate matches were included. They were included in the 2020 general election. But don't forget, don't forget, duplicates and strong matches do not indicate that illegal voting took place in 2020. You know what? Well, we need a canvas to prove that. But that number is alarming, and that is just from the dead voters in this, uh, in this election. But no one's going to look at that because they put the disclaimer up here. Don't forget. Removable of ineligible and or deceased voters from the statewide voter registration list in and of itself does not indicate that any illegal votes are cast. But we're going we're gonna to remove all of this data now after the election is passed. It's not even going to be considered in this supposed full-on forensic audit sham, okay? Lord Almighty, give me strength. Okay, so uh, this is what they deduced, and we're almost, we're almost done here, guys. Cancellation of deceased voter registrations... They're their numbers. These numbers are nowhere near what we saw up there in the hundreds of thousands, two hundreds of thousands. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, felony convictions. That's another thing that they looked into. Ineligibility, ineligibility to due to non-U.S. citizenship. Uh, there's that uh, information here. Do I have anything highlighted for you guys? I don't think I do. Um, we, let me see. I guess I didn't, I didn't jump into this. Uh, they had 2049 voter records that had been counseled for canceled for failure, uh, uh, to respond to a notice. They had, uh, 11,737 records, 278 voting records that were canceled. So 11,737 possible non us citizen voter records have been sent to County registration for review. That's the number that they talk about that's the biggest discrepancy that they mention in this entire audit, other than the fact that nothing untoward happened. Okay, duplicate registration records. Did I? Yeah, here we go. We got some more information here. So duplicate registration records, 
Same thing here where they got to cancel it, etc. A review of the cancellation trend reports from statewide, whoops, from statewide voter registration systems indicate that during the timeline included in this audit, 11,803 duplicate records were within the same county of registration. This figure does not include records that were reviewed and merged within the same county of registration. Additionally, the review reveals that 437,559 duplicate records were canceled for voters, having a voter registration record more in more than one county. Overall, the state review process results in the identification and removal of 449,362 duplicate voter registrations from statewide voter registration lists. Okay, this is in the time frame of November 2020 to present. November 2020 to present. Okay, give me a date, ladies and gentlemen. Non-U.S. voters, the SOS comparative process utilizing DPS citizenship data pursuant to a 2019 settlement agreement identified 11,737 possible non-U.S. voter records statewide. Those records have been sent to county voter registrars for further review. The SOS is actively reviewing 2,327 voting records that have recently been canceled throughout the state as part of his review uh, for voter registration participation history. Of those 2,327 county registrars reported 278 voters uh, registered as confirmed non-U.S. citizens. And I'm willing to bet that number is much higher than 278. So uh, therein is the, uh, well, these are the examples, guys. They got cross-state duplicate voters as well. The deceased voters as well. I mean, look at. This is what it boils down to for them. 9, 11, 12, 16, 17. So in the entire state of Texas, they removed 17 dead voters. And yet we had how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of dead voters registered to vote? Isn't that sickening, ladies and gentlemen? Isn't that sickening? John Scott is not doing his job, but he's doing the job that Abbott has him there for as the fifth secretary of state under Rhino Abbott's regime, ladies and gentlemen. I hope this was a value added, if not yet somewhat entertaining for you all guys. Uh, let me pop into chat over there at uh, Foxhole real quick before we uh, depart all right. We had a very comfy, cozy table of an audience today at uh, Pilled and Foxhole. Ah, oh, we got two rivers. Two rivers! The Texas Tribune used to be nice, a nice read, but only about general Texas happenings. Not politically related unless some good things were happening. Um, let's see here. Of course Abbott's not going to speak up on this, Two Rivers. Of course he ain't. And uh, let's see here. Please, what was the only article I need to hear again? I missed it. And so did those who just tuned in. Yeah, I know. So, so, hey, may the free free market reign, guys. Uh -huh. I'm sure after last night's rant, I'm probably not the most popular of the bunch. But if you'd like to catch last night's rant, ladies and gentlemen, it's not available on Foxhole or on Pilled, interesting enough.
Uh, okay, let's see here. Harris County, where I am, is full of illegals. Yeah, you know, actually, the uh, third Secretary of State underneath Abbott tried to do something to clean out the illegal uh, illegal uh, uh, voters, and uh, he got fired. He got fired. Uh, they ought to look into Nueces County. Psh, they ought to look at Bear County and Travis County. And uh, potential dead voters. Harris County report is a big lie with a huge risk. Uh, let me see if I can't get you information from that uh, article. It's a good article. It's the only article, guys, that I found that even said... And there is our Deputy Secretary of Snakes. This is This is the guy. He's the one that does all the work here. He's the real Secretary of State, guys. He's been with Abbott since Abbott started, okay? This is the real Secretary of State who hides in his little shell whenever Abbott appoints a real or acting Secretary of State. This is the guy who's doing all the work. He's, he, is in, he is in cahoots and he is in relations to a bunch of progressive Democrat Secretaries of State. The man is not to be trusted, Okay, this was uh, Conservative World News was the name of this uh, was the name of this publication. Two Rivers. Uh, let me see here if I can't get this off of the immersive reader mode. Uh, I'm currently redoing my website for the SeaReport.com guys, and I am considering putting in a section where I drop links to the stories, the reports the uh the um the pdfs the videos everything that i do so you can reference it just that takes a lot of extra work but i mean well you know i gotta fill my time with something right so <laughs> i've been thinking about that <clears throat> about doing that i actually intended to do it a long time ago but uh it's a it's a lot of work uh Okay, guys, that about does it for us tonight here on the Sea Report. I think we have a Mr. C in the Dark coming out tonight. Uh, we've been live on uh, Foxhole, Pilled, Rumble, Twitch, and Clout Hub. If you joined us live tonight, thank you so much for being here with us. If you are checking out the replay, well, I hope you enjoyed this newscast. Uh, but until next time, ladies and gentlemen, as we say, be safe. Be blessed. God bless America. We will see you next time. Thank you. I've got some questions for you. Mr. Trump, you've done great things in your life. And I just wonder, how do I, as an average person, begin? Like well, first of all, never think of yourself as average. You started off with the wrong question because you're not average. You've got a lot going. I see you're smart. I see you're very beautiful. What we were able to do today was allow people to see his heart for themselves and to make up their own minds about him. And they, 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 they find out that he's not the person that the media has depicted him to be. I support Donald Trump and everybody knows. Everybody knows. 100%. Family's I know Donald forever. I, I like Donald very Wonderful much. guy. I he mean, is. And, and he's miscast by the media. You know that. He's oh, a, I like Donald. He's got an enormous ego, but he's a good guy. He's got a big heart, by the way. He's very good to people. He's very kind to people. He's people good. don't know that. You just have to get that word average out of your vocabulary, and you have to tell yourself that you're great, and you have to believe it. If you can say it and don't believe it, it doesn't matter. 
a kid that worked in the back. Right. I said, well, hey, how is Donald Trump? This is before he ran. This is months ago. He goes, unbelievable. He would come backstage, come back to the kitchen and give $100 to the staff. Yeah. He would give these guys quietly. Nobody Amazing. would know about Amazing. that. The fact is, I go down the streets of New York and the people that really like me are the taxi drivers and the workers, etc., etc. Also his children. I know his son, Eric. I've met him a couple of times. He's a great kid. They're great, they're great kids. They're great kids. Yeah. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Do you like him? Yeah, I mean, he's real. That's what we need. I like his ideas. Those are real letters. Those are not corporate letters. Those are not letters from These Exxon. These are handwritten. Those are not letters yeah. from uh, General Motors. Those are letters from people. You have to have heart. You have to take care of women's health issues. You have to take care of poor people that don't have, that they're never going to have a shot. And you have to take care of African-American youth who have never been in a worse position than they are right now. This sounds like political presidential talk to me. And I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? I just probably wouldn't do it, Oprah. I probably wouldn't, but I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country. And if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally. I think Donald Trump, underneath it all, isn't just a business guy. I think he loves America. I really do. I think he cares. This country has such potential. I love the country. I think we can make it better than ever before. We have to unleash it. People have lost their spirit. Donald Trump represents truth, logic, and common sense. His incentive and his self-interest is tied to the well-being of the country that he's supposed to represent. They love me, I love them. And I'll tell you something, if I get the nomination, I'll win the Latino vote. I will win it, because I'm going to create jobs. I'm Hispanic and I vote for Mr. Trump. We vote for Mr. Trump. Get behind the I know what Donald Trump is doing is representing the absolute heartbreak and anger and frustration at a government gone mad. I guess I just wanted to find out if there was one thing that you wanted people to remember about Donald Trump. What is it? Never ever give up the power of positive thinking and I think that's very much in Donald's makeup if I become president I couldn't care less about my company I want to use that same up here whatever it may be to make America rich again and to make America great again ladies and gentlemen I am officially running for President of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. Do not underestimate the power of Donald Trump, or you will be scratching your head wondering, how did he get the Republican nomination? And we will see the best debate in history, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Donald J. Trump. We are here to stay. Donald Trump all the way. Donald Trump has came up with some very strict immigration laws that would guarantee birth in the African-American community. I hope he gets through with his intentions about building the wall. Well, I just want to let everybody know that not all Latinos are, are blind. He knows what money is, where it comes from, and how to make more of it 
rather than redistributing other people's in exchange for their vote. And the intensity with Trump is like nothing I've seen since I was a little kid and Reagan was running. And they were saying, this is America's last shot. If we don't get it right this time, we're not going to have a country left, folks. We're not going to have a country. Are we seriously trying to figure out whether or not Donald Trump would make a good president? The man has major, major skills that he can offer. This country right now owes $19 trillion, and they need somebody like me to straighten out that mess. Honestly, I really think voters and Americans are looking at this guy saying, it's refreshing to hear somebody not be a wuss, not be a politician and really say what they think. These aren't dumb people. These are American patriots and they want this country turned around. I don't want nuance. I want bold colors, red, white and blue. America, I have seen in the last several decades absolutely fray and decline. When I saw those guys on the boats, on their knees, I mean, that says a picture about America that I haven't seen ever before. Democrats, not one or two, but many are voting for Donald Trump, as well as, the, as, as Republicans. I've seen this all over the place. So I think there's a big, big movement happening, and i got to say that, uh, you know, we need him. You know, this is a movement, folks. This is not, like, even maybe about me. I don't want it to be about me. This is about common sense. It's about doing the right thing. The silent majority is back, and we're going to take the country back. I have a big heart, I'm going to take care of people, I'm going to make sure that this country comes first. We don't come first, we don't come tenth. We take care of everyone else but our own, and that's going to change. We're going to become rich again, we're going to become safe again, and we're going to become strong again. Nothing is wrong with us. We don't have to like illegal aliens. We don't have to. We're Americans, we want Americans first. Why can't we be first? And in the Middle East, I guess we'd spent five trillion dollars. We could have rebuilt our bridges, our tunnels, our roads, our hospitals, our airports. We could have rebuilt our country. We could have rebuilt our military. We could have taken care of Social Security. We could have taken care of everything. We are going to win so much. We're going to have win after win after win. You people are going to get sick and tired of winning. You're going to say, please. Say to you, we're gonna win. I don't care what you say, we're gonna make our country.